welcome to Filmstrip. These podcasts are spoiler-filled as we discuss the plots, characters, and themes of the films in review. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Welcome to Filmstrip. I'm Jay. And I'm Kurt. And I'm Nick Skywalker. <laughs> and this is our review of Star Wars Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, starring Carrie Fisher, Daisy Ridley, Adam Driver, Mark Hamill, John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, Anthony Daniels, a whole bunch of other people, Billy Dee Williams, and Ian McDermott. Directed by J.J. Abrams, once again, on a $275-$300 million budget, depending on if you believe reshoots are calculated in there or not, because there were some. Already grossed over $900 million, though, as of our recording here. We're kicking off 2020 on Filmstrip with Star Wars. Kind of like what we did with Force Awakens. We, you know, The movies come out in December, but holiday travel and everything going on, we didn't really have time to you know, squeeze it in at the end of the year. We decided, you know, let's all watch it. We can kind of sit on it for a little bit, and then we'll we'll record here early in January and put this one out. And, I mean, it's the end of an era, right, guys? This is supposed to be the end. That's the way it was sold, that's for sure. But I don't think anybody believes it. I think this might be the end of the episodes, but it's certainly not the end of Star Wars. But it might be the last time we see uh, Luke for a long time. Yeah, well, they the franchises like to do this. I mean, you look at even going back to the '80s. I mean, Freddy's Dead, Jason, Jason, remember that? Or the Final Friday? I mean, a lot of times these series are built upon like this is the last one, like the you know the Matrix or something like that. Where we have Matrix Four coming out in like two years. So, I think given enough time, there'll be more Star Wars. I just think that what this means is kind of like what Kurt said as far as like the actual numerical episodes of this. I mean, I think yeah, this is. The Skywalker stuff is over with, uh, and we'll get what over with means so as we get into that, because I got some comments when it comes to that. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I'm sure we all all do, all do. So <laughs> I, I do want to ask when you guys saw this one uh, in relation to when I saw it, because I've only seen it really in the last week. So, Kurt, Nick? Well, I saw it uh, Friday. Well, that was Friday, December 20th. It was uh, right after work. Yeah, that's about it. And I was actually surprised it was Fairly, I was thinking, oh, here we go, Friday, you know, it's Star Wars, it's going to be packed to the gills, and I was surprised there was only like eight other people in there. I don't know why that struck me, because this movie's a huge success, so it's not like indicative that it's a failure or anything, but it did strike me that this, I don't think there was as much interest for, for this one. I might be wrong, but, you know. It seems like the marketing blitz for this wasn't as strong as previous movies. I mean, it kind of almost reminded me of when Solo came out, kind of like a... I'm not going to say minimal effort, but not as grandiose as like the force awakens. I mean, I remember when the force awakens was coming out, I mean, I'd watch TV and there was a, you know, 32nd TV spot, almost every commercial break, you know, during like Sunday football or, you know, any, any other time. And even with the last, the last Jedi or even uh rogue one, I seem to remember a lot more like TV trailers and everything. It just seemed like this one was a little bit more lackluster. And one of the things that actually kind of really even surprised me was like, they started marketing at like Fortnite. My son told me about that, that like the whole like emperor, like secret message thing was actually debuted on Fortnite like a week before the movie came out. So yeah. uh, maybe just the marketing was not what a standard old folks go. I mean, okay, boomer, <laughs> but uh, I mean, it's just one of those things that it just, the marketing seemed a little bit off, but to answer your question, Jay, um, I saw this uh, legally. I'm going to go in that store. Um, that that point, um, the Sunday before New Year's, so that's when I officially went to go see it legally. So, 
Yeah, I I saw this one, like I said, in the last week. Uh, finally, got back from holiday travel, got time to set aside. I was able to go and catch it twice because I, I wanted to make sure I caught it all. Turns out I could have just saved my gift card that I uh, got uh, there and only seen it the one time. But we'll get into that as we go. I think you guys have hit upon something with the marketing of this. I think they relied on Disney Plus because this movie's all over that. And there's 10 million subscribers, so that's a good way to hit them. And they used, like, online and they released a couple of trailers and i don't know i I don't know they hit the push of the more traditional marketing stuff like you were talking about on television and stuff nick but i think this one definitely got marketed through the internet and through gaming and other avenues like that along the way to try to get you know interest up and i mean if you if you believe what you believe on the internet and always take that with a grain of salt or something kids the rumors of this was that jj abrams turned in a three-hour cut and then he cut it down to two and a half hours. And then what we all saw in theaters, JJ also saw in theaters and had no idea the studio had cut it back down again. Because I've read a lot of stuff about this one online. And, you know, because I think I, we talked about before, I, I've gone into a couple of Star Wars movies just totally cold and, you know, trying to see what that was like. I didn't go in cold on this one. I basically knew what was going to happen for the most part. I hadn't read the complete spoilers, but I knew what was going down. But I had heard a lot about that JJ got brought back in and he said, okay, I'll do it. If you give me total control. And then like 17 other people in the boardroom said, well, not exactly. And mm-hmm. so this is like movie by committee. If, if I'm understanding it correctly, have either of you heard any of that? Well, I've, I've heard all kinds of rumors about this movie. None of them good. Like there's no rumor about this movie. I think the only good rumor I heard was that it, they made it. Mark Hamill posted like a picture of his costume that made it look like he was going to come back in the movie like alive. That's the closest thing to a good rumor. Everything else I heard, like I heard people were walking out of the test screenings. People, as I understand, the test screenings are free uh, if they're not a mistaken. But like you know how bad it would have to be for you to see a star. Uh, you're seeing the new Star Wars movie and you walk out. And I kept wondering throughout this when I was watching the movie, when do they walk out? And uh, I got an idea uh, of where. Um, would would that involve a certain space cobra that we're going to talk about? So, because that's what <laughs> I wanted to walk out. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I heard those rumors too. I was kind of on Reddit. I remember I was sharing some stuff with you over the last couple months, Jay. And I think a, a lot of the uh, the the you know spoilers I shared actually turned out to be 100 percent correct. I was kind of appalled by them at first because I'm like, okay, this sounds like really bad fan fiction. And then on top of that, I'm like. Isn't like JJ Abrams known for like all this secrecy and he's got more freaking like holes in a ship than I, than an Iranian submarine. I mean, it's like, it's for all this stuff to come out was ridiculous and most of it turned out to be true, but I did hear that rumor too about people walking out. But then like there was people that were in the production and said, there's no test screenings for this. So there's who would have walked out to go. None of us even seen the full movie yet. So I think there's a lot of people on the internet who like to get their quick upvotes when it comes to posts and everything like that. So I take it all with a grain of salt, but the craziest rumor I heard, which I completely think is complete BS is apparently there was the JJ Abrams cut. And then there was the George Lucas cut that they apparently called him back (laughs) to come in here and to rewrite, reshoot and edit some stuff together and apparently like, people loved it, but then Disney went and like combined both cuts and that's what we ended up getting. I think that's crazy. But one of the things I just laugh at now is like how suddenly like Lucas went from being like one of the most hated like guys in Hollywood to like people are like all suddenly like remembering him as like some like genius or something. And I'm like, 
I don't know about that, guys. I just rewatched the prequels a couple days ago, and we made it 25 minutes into the Phantom Menace before we put on the clone uh, Attack of the Clones. Made it about 20 minutes into that, and then me and my son both looked at each other because this was his first time watching the prequels, and he said, "Can we watch John Wick?" And I'm like, "That is a great <laughs> idea." So we ended up turning him off. I will go on the record and still saying, no matter what I think about this, the prequel movies are probably some of the worst movies I have ever seen. They are just they are bad across the board. So I'll just say that. <laughs> Well, we're not here to review any of those. We are reviewing The Rise of Skywalker. So, Kurt, I put it to you. Give us a plot summary. Tell everybody your know, spoiler warnings out. Tell everybody what uh, what happened in this, and then we can start digging into it. All right, I'll do my best. So, shortly after the events of The Last Jedi, Emperor Palpatine returns with an armada of planet-killing Star Destroyers and plans to once again take control of the galaxy and have the Sith rule the universe. Our heroes, Ray, Finn, and Poe, race across the galaxy in search of a Sith device, which will allow them to learn the exact location of Palpatine and stop him before he achieves his goals. All the while, Kylo Ren, now the supreme leader of the First Order, is on a never-ending quest to kill Ray. During her adventure and her mission to become a Jedi Knight, Ray learns that she is the granddaughter of Emperor Palpatine. After Ray and the Rebel Alliance finds out where Palpatine is, they launch an all-out offensive to destroy this new Imperial fleet and are joined by thousands of spaceships from across the galaxy being led by Lando Calrissian. (laughs) In Palpatine's lair, Rey and Kylo Ren fight Palpatine and his Sith warriors, uh, and Rey, with the help and hope of all the fallen Jedi Knights, manages to defeat Palpatine while sustaining life-threatening injuries herself But Kylo Ren, with all of his remaining energy, manages to heal her with the Force before dying himself. The Rebel Alliance rejoices in the defeat of Palpatine again. And Rey (laughs) heads to Tatooine to bury Luke's lightsaber for hopefully the last time at his former home on Tatooine. And Rey takes the name Skywalker for herself. Now, that's that's a legitimate... And Leia's Leia's, uh, lightsaber. That's right. Because apparently that's a thing now. (laughs) <laughs> Apparently, yes. And now that's a that's a legitimate plot summary I tried to make. Here's my real one. The writers faced with two years to make a final Star Wars movie, give up, throw together a rehash of everything audiences have already seen, <laughs> spit in Brian Johnson's face, and tarnish Star Wars for as long as it takes for the next movie to come out. <laughs> I knew Kurt had seen this movie because all of a sudden on my phone, on the podcast app, Fabish Factor Film Podcast pops up and it's a review of Rise of Skywalker. And I'm like, oh, cool. We're going to get a double dip here. And even in the back of my mind, while it's downloading, I'm going, hey, man, maybe we just put this out on both feeds. And then I realized it's three <laughs> minutes and 20 seconds. And I'm like, well, this is going to be fun. And I'm not going to say anything more. Folks, go download that show. We'll put a link to it in the show notes. It is worth three minutes of your time because we're going to spend a little bit more than three minutes getting into it here. Uh, but I knew <laughs> what Kurt thought of it. And then, Nick, I think you sent me a note that said, uh, when are we doing this thing? Because I got five pages of notes and my fork and knife are ready. So I knew go- before I even <laughs> saw the thing. I was like, well, I'm going to have to try to find some way to defend this, I think. And I walked out of this theater going, oh, no can defense, Mr. Miyagi. <laughs> I mean, there's a, yeah, I- there's a mess here. It's, it's, it is a total mess when it comes to the narrative structure of this because – 
it has a lot of the same problems in the first half that I would say that Rogue One has, where it just feels like a lot of like jumping around and like meeting new characters and popping up here and popping up here with like real no disregard. It almost feels like a bad Indiana Jones ripoff with, you know, like when they do like the map stuff where they show them kind of flying around. But what I I'm going to try to take two different kind of spins on this movie, because like I said, the narrative, the narrative story is a mess here. But I think from a technicality standpoint, as far as I think some of the acting, mainly by one person, I think is really good and basically given what he has to work with. And then I think just from a visual standpoint, it's a gorgeous movie. I mean, there's visuals in this movie that are, you know, I think this would be a great thing to have if you have a brand new 4K setup and you just want to show it off and you could just be like kind of click around and just show kind of special effects. It's wonderful when it comes to that. So that's kind of how I'm going to kind of take it here is like, I'll kind of come at it at both sides. Cause I don't want this all to be us all just kind of, you know, being a bunch of neck beards and ripping on this, but uh, yeah, I just, that's kind of what I'm just going to do here with it. Well, I mean, the thing, the thing about this movie is uh, there's like the room, there's the rumors of what went wrong, but the things that are confirmed of what went wrong is enough for me to like know that this was a disaster was Colin Trevorrow was supposed to make this movie. He, like he made, he made uh, what was for Jurassic World. He, you know, then he got signed on to make this movie. And for whatever reason, I think it was right after, before Last Jedi, it was told he got fired, um, and they were bringing J.J. Abrams back. And apparently, the story started like the story of this movie started with Trevorrow and a J.J. Abrams came back. And when I think about that and watching this movie. I don't blame J.J. Abrams for problems with this movie. He did the best he could. He was not a director. He was a firefighter trying to put out the – trying to uh, you know, put out a blaze here. Because you watch The Force Awakens. I think that like, at, at its worst is a super fun movie. And that is a movie J.J. Abrams built from the ground up. You can feel it. If you've seen his other movies, if you've seen Star Trek and Super 8, even Mission Impossible 3, you can feel that he made those movies. It has a, like a feel that only his movies have. You watch this movie, I didn't feel any... If you didn't tell me the guy who made the 2009 Star Trek made this Star Wars movie, I never would have believed it. It feels like such a mishmash uh, of tons of other stuff. I can't... I, I don't know what was J.J. Abrams' idea. He didn't create any like real new characters. Like They, they didn't have time to develop a new villain, so they just brought back Palpatine. I, I got the sense of this, that, of this entire movie that they did not know what to do with this movie. I think they knew what they wanted to do, but I think that they needed two movies to flush this out. And I think that what you're kind of seeing is the results of taking two entrees and kind of mixing them together. And it's just like, you can't really mix spaghetti and steak together. It doesn't really work like that. And that's kind of what we're seeing here is what should have been spread out over two movies has just been not going to say quickly done, but just kind of mishmashed together into one unsatisfying meal. I want to do what Kurt did here and say, say things I liked about it. And, and, and Nick, you, you said that too. I, I will agree. This movie looks amazing. The effects are really, you know, exactly what you would expect. I thought John Williams really brought it for a score where he says this, this is it for him. And I mean, he's 180,000 years old. So how many more can he possibly do? Right. So he, you know, he's done, but I thought the score was good. I thought the visuals were good. And I thought some of our performers came to do the best with what they had. In front of them, particularly Adam Driver, who I also will admit that I'm probably projecting a little bit of having seen him in other things and even more dramatic things before I saw Star Wars, most recently Marriage Story. And I mean, you watch this guy and you realize, like, what a talent he really is. Um, 
and this is not a criticism of her, but there's a line that Ray has in the movie where they ask her what's wrong. And she's like, I think I'm just tired. And I swear that is just an outtake of Daisy Ridley <laughs> explaining her mailed in performance. And she looks so done with this and who can blame her for all the hate she's had to live with for 10 years now and will forever. Um, I hope she's well adjusted and can go on and do, you know, British period horror pieces or whatever she's into. I don't know. Maybe she's the next fast and furious villain or something. But yeah, you can tell she's tired. You can tell Oscar Isaac doesn't know what he's supposed to be anymore. So he's just going to be petulant and angry. And even the guy playing Chewbacca seems to be kind of lost. I mean, <laughs> in this movie. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot to uh, try to unpack. And I think there's good evidence to say they realize we've got to do a lot in this you know, first act to really just set up the adventure we're going on here. And whoever, whichever one was you that called out the Indiana Jones bit, I had the same thought when I was looking at the Sith GPS or whatever the hell he's got speaker wires coming out of there. Oh, you mean the Horcrux yeah. or do you mean the Infinity Gem? Yeah, that, yeah, the, um, the MacGuffin. <laughs> isn't it, isn't it also like a board cube or something like that? If you go <laughs> way back. So yeah, the, the, the original MacGuffin before we get to the knife MacGuffin, before we get to the, I don't know, some other thing. So uh, There's so many in here. <laughs> yeah, you say J.J. didn't introduce anything new, though. I mean, yeah, we get new characters. We get the little thing that, like, fixes on C-3PO. And we get, I mean, it's a different Palpatine. And then who are all those people in the stadium at the end? I mean, we can talk about them. There's <laughs> all those people. And how can we forget the Space Cobra that Ray heals? And that's the big thing J.J. Abrams put in here is now you can use the Force to heal people, which, I mean, how did that land for you guys? I mean, it, it is different. And he said, I know this is probably going to hack off a lot of people, but what do you make of that as a Force power? Well, I didn't mind it that much because they introduced that in uh, Revenge of the Sith. That's one thing that surprised me uh, is they, they pulled a lot out of the prequels. I thought that like with force awakens, they kind of threw the prequels aside and, and with last Jedi, they, they worked in a little bit of the prequels. This movie felt like it didn't succeed, but it felt like they were trying to bring together the prequels and the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy together. Like the whole thing of healing with the force. It's like, I just remember that entire, one of my favorite scenes in revenge of the Sith, the explanation of who Darth Plagueis was. So that, mm -hmm. that didn't uh, come out of nowhere for me. That was that, you know, that's a, uh, I wouldn't say that's a positive. I just thought that was, you know, that was, it shows that they, they did try to, to pull from existing stuff other than come up with something that was total bullshit. I mean, yeah, they pulled from stuff, but my problem is, is that we've had how many Jedis and like force users shown throughout these nine films. And now Ray is able to just, she learns this how. I mean, it's just like she just has it. I mean, it almost feels like it's like a video game where it's like, you know, an EA thing where it's like, oh, I'm just going to buy this extra power here. So I'm a little bit better in the multiplayer stuff. And she ended up just getting this super enhanced skill right here. And it's just like, again, it's like a lot of the stuff. It's like I need a little bit more explanation. And I feel bad for Daisy, Daisy Ridley. I really do when it comes to her role because they've given her such a simple character to play. There's no complexity to the Ray character at all. Yes. She has her whole, like I'm an orphan, you know, who are my parents thing and everything like that. But that's just not even really played up in these movies. Basically it comes across that Ray is like this, you know, I've read the Bible. Jesus has made more mistakes than, uh, than Ray has. Okay. I mean, she is like perfect throughout this whole movie or the series. And it's, I just saw Creed two and I was telling Jay about this the other day. And I'm like, 
I was rooting for the Russians because Creed is perfect in this movie. And you give me someone who like Kylo Ren, who has all this complexity and relatability to him and minus the parent killing part, obviously, but um, you understand him a little bit more and you can't help but rooting for the guy against someone who is so perfect. And when they introduce this whole new skill, I'm like, oh, of course, she's just going to learn this stuff because that's what the script says. It's just, I don't know. I mean, I get where you're saying, Kurt, where it's like it was pulled from something, but there's no consequences for her learning that power or any type of sacrifice she had to do to get that power it's just okay new movie new power it just like i said it feels like a video game i want to lay into that real quick just for a second that the the answer they are going to give you because what that will immediately whether you meant it or not is going to get labeled mm-hmm. into the pile of oh just another man that doesn't want a woman to have any power you know which is not what any of us are saying i don't think but is that the, sad that we have to even say that it's yes like, no but, we just want to we just we just want to we want to competent character that's built on screenwriting 101 basics here is you got to have a you got to have turmoil or something for them to overcome if you don't have that it's not a relatable character well here's the thing that they're going to lay that off as is because she is a palpatine all right and that is well established in this movie and clearly and i don't think it's any argument at all that is the most powerful dude in the history of the galaxy to pull off the stuff he has pulled off and to conjure ships and his own audience while also maintaining his own life force. I mean, the guy, what the guy's been able to do is freaking amazing so that she comes from his lineage. It's in the blood. I kind of, I kind of see what they're trying to say. Now on that hand, I think somewhere on a cutting room floor on a set of pages that got burned and thrown away, whatever, when she's having that whole Jedi moment where you have to face your dark side, right? And you get that look on her face when she's got the fang teeth and she's got the double lightsaber that she pulls out. I'm like, where's that person? That looks like a cool character arc. That would have been interesting. And I feel like they just cut it all to the floor and done a big middle finger to anybody that didn't accept the fact that she was indeed the most perfect person in the in the universe. Well, that's the thing, though, is like Luke, you look at that original trilogy and Luke failed in the second in the second movie. He got his butt kicked by Vader and then he comes back and he's able to beat Vader by going kind of dark. And then he quick learns. He's like, oh, crap. You know what? This is the only reason I beat this guy was because I went into this dark place I'm not supposed to go to. And then what happens? He ends up getting his butt kicked by Palpatine. It's like Luke was as, as great of a hero as he was. Luke very rarely was like the head and shoulders winner in anything. He basically was, you know, like I said, he got his butt kicked over and over and over again. And it was his perseverance and his willing to hold on to something that was good that in the end was what got him to win. But he won by, even in the end, he, his dad died, you know, all this other stuff. I mean, he had a lot of stuff. It got cost. He cost him a lot of stuff to win. And that's why I think like Luke Skywalker is a great hero. Kurt, you be the tiebreaker here. They show us specifically in this movie moments of Ray doing training because that was a big internet complaint, right? I didn't see her training to do all this. So they go out of their way to show her doing this stuff. But is that enough? Uh, it's it's not. I mean, I, I try not to. I like with, with Force Awakens and Last Jedi, everyone went on about calling her a Mary Sue. I never heard the term. I, like, I honestly, when people said she's Mary Sue, I'm like, I had to look that up. So that, that never bothers me. It's like this, what that means. <laughs> well, it just, it, I think Mary Sue means is a, a female character. I also, I, I wish I had the definition for me, but it's what we're talking about. She's kind of, she's going to be like, if there was a dictionary, they put her in it of a, of a female character who doesn't have to struggle 
to succeed, who has all of her skills are inborn. She she's never seen learning anything. And if you watch Force Awakens, they do say, you know, she's been she maybe she can learn how to fly a ship because she's in all these derelict Imperial ships and she picks something up somehow. Maybe she gets in fights with guys, you know, uh, in the desert. But that's like I have to, you know, I have to pull all that myself. They don't they don't show that. Um, but yeah, the bottom line with her is like I thought about this. Daisy Ridley would have to actually get some kind of a scar herself to make it appear as though the character Ray has ever struggled with anything in her life. It really is, uh, uh, it's a, it kind of a, I don't, the, the, the performance I think is good, but the character is pretty boring or it's like, it's not very interesting. She doesn't get her hand cut off. She's not frozen in carbonite. Uh, it's just kind of watching someone, you know, succeed for, uh, for she doesn't for even six get hours. knocked off. She doesn't even get knocked down by a wampa. I mean, it's right. nothing. Well, you know what though? I, I I'm only going to play devil's advocate to this because I think you've hit on something, Kurt. They pull a lot from the prequels in this movie, and if there's one thing about the Phantom Menace that anybody remembers beyond the pod race and yippee and stuff like that, it's how good that little kid was at stuff that he had no business being good at. And what we're now to interpret that as was he was so freaking radiating strong in the force that those instincts he would lean into just would take over for him. The force would do things for him. And I mean, I don't, I don't know if I mind that as much because Obi-Wan even sets that up in a new hope for us is that the force binds us. It connects us. It does all these things just because we've never seen anybody, cop to like, well, you know, I was in the pilot seat, but really that was the force that was doing the steering and all that kind of stuff. Like, I, I guess that's an answer. I don't know that it's terribly satisfying, but that is the answer that this movie in particular is trying to give us about Ray's powers and how she's able to do the things that she does and how she, she even knows, like I'm, I'm making fun of the space Cobra and I'm never going to not make fun of the space Cobra. Cause it's one of the dumbest looking things I've seen. Which, which, which Cobra are we talking about? The one that's the callback to empire strikes back in the beginning when they try to, then it eats like something or the one that's in the cave, the one that's there's in the two cave. snakes. The one that's in okay. the cave is the one I'm talking about from God of war, right? Yeah. The one, yeah. The one, yeah, the one that, yeah. Once you <laughs> pet it, right. It releases the tomb. So you can go to the next place of God of war. That's what I thought of uh, watching it. Yep. But it's like, and the way that whole little thing is done and they get to see it twice helped me get this. It also reminded me of a really bad Buffy episode where she has to tame a snake or something like that. But more on that later, because that was like a metaphor for male something. I don't know. But anyway, she's sitting there and she has this whole thing and it's hissing at her, and it, but it doesn't try to kill her. It's trying to like, I can't speak your language, lady, but you see that scar down there? That'd be really good if you could get me like some you know Neosporin and a Band-Aid. <laughs> You know, and so finally she, through the force, knows that and is able to do that. And then she has the little you know, conversation with the droid, which felt like a pickup shot, you know, eight months later of like, oh, I don't know. I just you know, gave it a little bit of my force and it was OK. And I was like, do you do you regenerate that or do you, does it like go down? Like, do you eat force cookies and you build it up? I mean, See, how does that I work? But, you know, I want to go back to what you're talking about, the Phantom Menace and like with like Anakin and the pod racing. I'll give a credit there. They set it up because Anakin explains to Qui-Gon going, I can see things before they happen. It's like, I do this and I have the reflexes here and I can do right. it. So he explains it. I think something that would have worked better with Ray would have been have her get injured, have her get hurt by the space, whatever she gets bit. And just like what Luke was in the Wampa cave where he's upside down and he's, he's in peril. He doesn't know what to do. And he reaches out and he pulls that he does it in a moment of, you know, just dire straits. 
you can have her get something where maybe they're in a tax thing or something like that. She gets separated, she gets hurt, and she's able to just out of the sheer force of just desperate, you know, being desperate, is able to heal herself. And it's like, I don't know what happened. It was just it just happened out of me. I, I would buy that more than just what happened in the movie. It just feels so cheap. Especially for something that completely changes the game because you look at it and it's like there's been no Jedi or Sith ever to ever have this power. These guys who have trained for decades, Yoda, who's trained for almost a millennia, couldn't even do this stuff. And yet she does it because why? She's trapped in a cave? I mean, it's just, again, it just comes off really cheap. Well, see, there's there are a lot of logical problems with this movie. And I know it's Star Wars. You don't want to bring logic in, into Star Wars. It's fantasy and everything. But I got an answer to any and all logic questions. It occurred to me about you know 10 minutes into this movie, and it's very, very simple bullshit it doesn't make sense jj abrams and company don't care disney doesn't care about it making sense they needed to generate two hours of movie to get it out by christmas so a story making sense couldn't be further down the list of priorities this movie was supposed to come out in may a month after avengers endgame and they realized there's no way we could do it so we just gotta we gotta push it to christmas so that's that that like again that, like that's all my uh that, that that sums up everything that's wrong with this movie. It's like, well, that, this is like, uh, you guys bringing up the snake. That's all. This is all news to me because at the beginning of the what, the chase scene out in the desert or something, I got up to get a refill of popcorn, and waited about ten minutes for them to have to make a new batch of popcorn. And at no point did I feel like I was missing anything. When I got back, you, you, yeah, something I mean, was, you didn't miss anything at you did, all. You didn't. I, you just I, missed a cool space cobra. That were uh, not cool space cobra. I dude, mean, it was in a different for, movie. For, I mean, I, I'm watching that. And I'm like, well, that's cool, but it's not in the right movie. But okay, so. Hey, Kurt. Next uh, Christmas, you want to chip in, and we can uh, get Jay a space cobra for Christmas. <laughs> sure. Thing. If they if they make a plush of that, I want to know. So um, they, they, they will. I'm sure we, they will. I mean, we, Star Wars. I mean, they they, yeah. they have characters who run around with the ice cream maker and Empire Strikes Back as collectibles. So well, we, we do need uh, to say, like, JJ gets a writing credit on this. Trevor O gets a writing credit on it. Derek Connolly gets a, a store writing credit on this because he wrote Jurassic World and Fallen Kingdom. But the guy that really like concocted a lot of this is Chris Terrio. And I don't know if you guys know him or not, but he, he wrote Argo, so Academy Award winning movie, right? He also wrote Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Justice League. So, I'm not saying that that's why this movie's a mess, but those movies are kind of a mess, and that might also be why this is a little bit of a mess. Or maybe you bring a guy like that in, because you know, like, hey, look, I've seen the mess you've dealt with. Fix it. And they just threw it at him, and he said, okay, and got on his Corona typewriter and clickety-clack. Here we go. You know what, though? You bring up up Justice League, and I am getting some of that feeling here where it's like, it's okay if you turn your brain off, but what we've we've seen come before, it's, yeah, it's just sugary cereal. Uh, I was just going to say that uh, when I saw this movie, I obviously, I, I didn't care for it. And then I looked up who wrote it. I didn't know Chris Terrio had anything to do with this movie. But when I saw his name and I was like, that name sounds familiar. And I clicked on it and I saw what his last two credits are, which are Batman versus Superman and Justice League. And suddenly it all made sense because those are because Batman versus Superman is heavily flawed. It's got a couple things that make it uh, watchable. But Justice League is one of like the five worst movies I've ever seen in a theater. And so much of it comes down to how bad and lame, how lame the story is. And that, that, that sensation of like $300 million for this, 
And that's the exact same way I felt coming out of this movie, where it's like, that costs 300 million bucks. It's like District 9 costs 30 million. And that was up for Best Picture. And, uh, you know, and is a, is a, a kick ass movie. And this movie, it's like, this, this is it. This, and this is it. This is supposed, this isn't just, you know, episode nine. This is final episode. This is the grand finale of Star Wars. And again, if you didn't tell me it was a grand finale, I would be like, well, you know, they better make episode 10 fast because that sucked. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I really wish they would have just made this into two parts and had like an episode 10. I mean, come on, it's 2019. Trilogies are so 1990s, right? Aren't we all about the franchises and yeah. 55, uh, you know, episodes in here? I mean, look at Marvel. Don't they have like 45 movies already? I mean, no one does trilogies anymore. <laughs> well, but let, let one me one ask thing, you though, this, I mean, though. You, you keep saying that, Nick, and, and I want I want to ask you, don't, you ain't going to do the whole smorgasbord of it, but what exactly <sighs> can you make two movies out of this? Because I argue there's barely a movie in this story. There's really a third barely, act. There barely is, but I think what you could have done is in episode nine, you could have set up the return of Palpatine. If you got to bring him back, bring him back and everything like that. But to sit there and I would have done it and Disney would never do it, but have a, have a switch at the end of the episode nine where maybe Ray goes dark. Maybe Ray is tempted by the emperor and she ends up joining him or she strikes him down. Kind of like what I said with the last Jedi with the whole possession angle, which they kind of into that here. So Disney, I'm waiting for my money. Um, basically have her kind of turn dark and then you have uh, Ben turn good and have it be the whole struggle of him what is he going to do? Because he's got both sides now that don't like him. He's out there by himself. He wants to save Ray. He wants to be able to stop Palpatine, but he's got to somehow try to get the resistance on his side after what everything that he's done. I mean, give it some interesting stuff here. Give it some stakes. I mean, this movie, I mean, I love Kylo Ren as a character. I think he's a very, very good villain. It's just that they screwed up every little thing they could with him when it comes to the narrative structure of his story. And this movie, really, it just does everything in fast forward. And I still don't get his whole redemption arc at the end. But I think by doing that, though, with doing it in the two movies, you could really spread that out and really make Rey a much more interesting character by having her fall. Having such a deity of a character end up succumbing to the dark side is interesting storytelling. Having a guy who's conflicted and then basically he ends up screwing over both sides of his life, the dark side and the good side, that's interesting storytelling. And we don't get any of that in this. Yeah, you know the movie that does that really well? Mad Max Fury Road. That's a, exactly what you just described. So is the, the Charlize Theron character in Mad Max Fury Road. And boy, that would have been a good thing to borrow from since we're borrowing from everything else. You mentioned steaks. Can I talk about like how cheated I felt about a steak? Because they, they do a really, it's a great scene. And it was in the trailer where she's doing the backflip over the TIE fighter coming at her. And she basically crashes Kylo Ren. He comes at her. She's coming at him. And she thinks this transport is leaving. This is after they found the magical saber and the you know dead Sith's ship. It's the, go- it's yeah. the Goonies metal. Come on, Jay. Yeah, what, whatever it is, right? It's, it's whatever. But she thinks Chewie's on this transport. And so she's going to force hold that sucker into the atmosphere. And I'm like, that is cool. That's some Yoda stuff right there. That's awesome. And then he's putting his force power on it. Like, no, let it go. And they have this whole back and forth. And then she shoots friggin' lightning out of her hand, which is, you know, that's when you know, okay, well, she's Palpatine something, or whatever, and she blows it up, and I'm like, man, they killed Chewie, that's awesome, what great stakes, not that I want Chewie to die, but what else does he need to do in this series, and I'm like, man, when you do your final chapter, people gotta go down, and I'm like, this is great, that was a great story move, and not ten minutes later, nope, Chewie's alive, it was a different transport ship, I, I hated that. You know what I thought of? What I what I thought of with that 
was uh, one, I thought that would have been a really lame way to kill uh, Chewie. Like, you know, just sort of like he's not even on screen. It's like they just imply that he died in the crash. But I thought I started laughing. Like I, that movie, for one thing, that bit did nothing emotionally for me. Like I, I didn't feel any kind of sadness over the death of Chewie. This is how little I was into the movie at this point. Got back from my, you know, from my, you know, second popcorn refill. It was just but that what, popcorn was so good, Kurt. Come exactly. <laughs> but w- what I thought was, it's like, oh my God, they just had Ray kill Chewie. As if the fans don't hate Ray enough, they're going to have her kill one of the most beloved characters, probably the most beloved surviving character in the series. And I thought, and of course, they they take that away ten minutes later, which did feel like, what was that? That's a weird way to, you know. It felt like they, they try to play the emotion. I, I wouldn't be honest with you; it felt like a rewrite when he just sort of pops out of that uh, elevator on the Star Destroyer or whatever. It's like, oh, by the way, here's Chewie. <laughs> and it's like, oh no, 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 we can't. Uh, somebody back at the studio is like, it's had the same conversation you just did, Kurt. Like, we can't have Mary Sue kill the dog. You know, they'll kill us for that. So, okay, okay. But how much more interesting would that have been, though, is like you go back to Osakuma with the two-movie structure there, and she turns bad. If that's the catalyst that got some of her guys like Finn, Poe, to kind of like question her, to turn against her in a way, where it's like, okay, you're kind of a wild card here with your powers. You killed freaking Chewie. And she kind of like has like a lot of self-doubt, a lot of self-hate, and that leads her to Palpatine and leads her to a turn. I mean, you could use that as a catalyst there to kind of help her, you know, be turned. But it's like, no, again, what you said, we can't have her do anything bad. We can't have her do anything complex or morally gray or morally bad. It's like she's got to be perfect. Even beyond her, though, I'm talking about just for the movie stakes. Having, I mean, you could almost explain it away as if, like, I didn't do that. That's Kylo Ren's fault. Like, you, you could you do that back and forth or whatever, and maybe get her off the hook emotionally for it or whatever. But what I'm saying is there's no stakes in this movie. It does anybody that's not a red shirt or not actually dead in real life. All apologies to Carrie Fisher's estate die in this movie that we care about. No, it would even kill Carrie Russell in this movie. And she only showed her eyes for five seconds. And yeah. it's like, they blew up her planet. And it's like, in the end, like, Oh no, this character who we saw for five seconds is still alive. Aren't you glad audience? It's like, my God, the movie has no balls when it comes to anything with these characters. No, and yeah, the, yeah, the stakes are terrible. I didn't feel anything like when when I saw the Death Star. I mean, the the Death Star, the, the Star Destroyer uh, gun on there. I just yeah. thought, I just again, I just started chuckling. It's like again, like they brought back Death Star stuff again to blow up a planet. I did like the effect. It looked like a, I think that looked like entirely practical. It looked like they were blowing up a physical object. Yeah, that looked cool. It, that's, it, a, it, that's a minor. You know what it looked thing. like, Kurt? It looked like when they test the Death Star in Rogue One. You know, when you first yeah. see that tested, I'm like, that's that same shot. <laughs> it's like y'all just ripped that off, and it looked awesome then, and it looks awesome now. So, no, that For was sure. I mean, again the the effects of this are amazing. I I gotta say, as impractical as it might be, the wreckage of the old Death Star on the ocean planet Exegol or whatever, looks cool. I mean, how that physically exists when the last time I saw that blow up, it was freaking atoms <laughs> into the, the atmosphere, I don't know. But since the Emperor can <laughs> conjure entire fleets of ships, I figure he could put the puzzle back together. Well, not only that, but we saw Palpatine blow up in that thing too, but apparently he can come back. So, yeah. <laughs> now, was, I thought, that, was, that, was that supposed to be like Endor that that was on? Because I remember like there's It was there's another the moon, moon in the Endor system. That's what they said. It was the okay, ocean Okay, yeah, because there's the forest moon of Endor. Yeah. There's the 
water moon there's the water moon of endor there's a chocolate moon of endor and then i think there's like endor itself so <laughs> which one has the caramel center uh that would be the water one believe it or not it's uh it's a little weird <laughs> but yeah th- again this movie wants to introduce emotional stake points and then not let them pay off. They do it again with C-3PO when I can't tell you what the Sith language says because it's forbidden because it's bad words or whatever. But if you wipe my memory, I'll forget that I can't do that. And then I'll tell you what it says. And I was like, C-3PO with red eyes was kind of cool. I mean, I've seen him with a red head, you know, before and he's decked out as a, a battle trooper. I mean, we've seen that poor thing's been through so much stuff in the 70 years of its existence or whatever, since it started on a desert planet as a vacuum cleaner, you know, or whatever it well, was. Why, and, well, why can't can't he do that? Why, why can't he do that? Well, he, I mean, that has yet. never been established ever. And all, we know based on C-3PO that he was made by little Anakin out in the desert as an eight-year-old. So he had the foresight as an eight-year-old to go, okay, I'm going to put all this programming in you to read stuff, but that Sith stuff there – uh-uh, no, no, sir, you can't read that. I, mean, I took that as again, once he became they, somebody else's that that got programmed in like along the way. Is I mean, you could make up whatever you want to. The point is you introduce that because you now introduce a stake point emotionally for people to have to make a decision. Now, the funny thing is, is they let that decision be in the hands of people that clearly hate C-3PO. Poe has nothing for this thing, hates it. And, and poor Anthony Daniels, I guess he must have had something in his contract where he got like triple the lines in this movie or something because he's just whipping all over the place. But they they give this thing where they reprogram him. Then he says what it needs to be, and it's like, oh wow, you see, three PO is he's, he's no longer who we know. We're gonna have to get to know him again. That's kind of funny. And then R two D T is like, here's your latest iCloud backup. Okay, and it's it, again, it undercuts the whole point. Like, what was the point of that? Why did I just say no? Just flip his restraining bolt off, and now he can speak Sith. Uh, this movie really assumes that everyone in the audience really cares about C-3PO. And I, C-3PO is a fine character, but like he was barely in the last two movies. And all of a sudden he has, you know, he has, he has, he has more lines than Adam Driver maybe. And I, I kept thinking like, you know, that whole getting to know him again, again, is one of these moments where they were, re- they were just pulling out stuff from the other movie, from the prequels. Like they did like every joke of him saying, oh, this is the first time I've ever done this. They did that in Attack of the Clones, like the irony of, of you know, uh, like of C three PO being like, oh, you never get me on a spaceship, yeah. or you know, I, I'm starting to get a hang of the spaceship thing. So I'm watching Rise of Skywalker, and it's like, you guys already did this, you guys, I've already heard these jokes before. It's like, and that was really strange. I have that feeling I felt a lot during this movie. I guess I'm just also kind of sick of the whole C three PO being like everybody hates him. It was a cute bit in the original trilogy because Han Solo didn't really care for him. You know what I mean? Because he was always interrupting him when he was trying to put the moves on Leia and stuff like that. So he got kind of annoyed with him. And then it's like they started taking that and like now everybody's going to hate C-3PO. And it's like, you know, dude's a useful guy. You know, he might be a little socially awkward and stuff like that. But you know what? It's like it's kind of an old trope in these movies where it's like, let's beat up on the droid. And it's, you know, speaking of droids though, to talk about worthless was this new one was a Dio or whatever it is. It's like, yeah. we already have R2 that you guys have already forgotten about. You know, he's barely in any of these movies. You got BB eight. He's cute. Do we really need another like Astro droid here? I just thought again, it was just like, what's the point of this character here? I mean, I know I get it where it's like, Ray's like, I kind of remember him. Oh my gosh. He was my family droid. It doesn't even go anywhere. Can, can I tell you why, another, though? I mean, the, the answer is obvious. Lines? It, no, the, the answer is toy sales. 
I mean, honestly, that's all that is. It's like Batman and yeah. Robin or something. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, they're going to have an droid that can speak, you know, hello, and, you know, that's rude or whatever yeah. the hell well, he why says. Why does the you know? Batmobile I mean, need like, a, a 12-foot fin that's neon that announces when he's coming? I don't know. It'll sell to some 8-year-old. So, I mean, that's that's the answer. It's it's so obvious. And that's, that's the sad part of it is you know that Star Wars, since Return of the Jedi, by the way, and as Return of the Jedi, has been driven by its merchandising arm. And that's fine. It, it exists on that level. I like Star Wars toys, too. So, But when you create a character clearly, clearly for that moment, it's I don't know. I, I don't think modern audiences are unnuanced enough to not see what that is about. And again, everything that that droid did, BB-8 could have done, or R2-D2 could have done. You know, it, you didn't need another droid to pull that off. I just say from like, you know, I, you know, BB-8 obviously was a toy to sell, but at least they got something out of him in the movies as far as like he's going to serve a point. I just, when I see these characters that are just going to be in it for five seconds just to sell a toy, it still just rubs me the wrong way where it's like, you know, I guess I'm sounding like an old man right now and everything like that, but it's like, give him something a little bit more to do and then I can justify it. You know what I mean? It'd be like, okay, he had a cool action scene or he, you know, rolled up into a guy's ankle and he's missed the shot. Okay. He served a point here. The guy does nothing. And it's just like stuff like that is just what annoys me. Well, I'll tell you a whole thing. A big thing with this movie is more than any other star Wars movie. I could like, I could picture the boardroom discussions. Like this is not a director and a typewriter yeah. writing a script, making a movie. I could see, the boardroom saying, okay, here's what is going to be in the movie. Here's what's not going to be in the movie, which brings me to uh, something that's, I think it is kind of sad is like, I could, I can picture them saying, we don't want Rose in this series anymore. Kelly Marie Tran will not be in this. We're sick of the, of all the comments on the internet. So we're just not going to have her be in the movie. And that's it. And, and th that also brings to a whole thing of a big discussion was, okay, every, for, is there any like they were probably discuss, discussing? Is there any way we can make Last Jedi be a dream? Can we make it be uh, <laughs> a, a, some kind of a nightmare scene? It didn't happen. Um, because yeah, they, 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 there's this movie is so. I heard one. I saw one. I wish I. I wish I could say I came up with this, but I saw someone say that this movie feels like J.J. Abrams uh, remade his own version of the Last Jedi. And made a sequel to the Last Jedi in in all in two hours because he wasn't able to make the Last Jedi, so he you know he uh, he crammed it all together. Well, I mean that that's no better typified than at the point when Ray has freaked out because she. We should mention there's a great lightsaber fight between her and Kylo Ren on the ocean planet after she's found the Wayfinder, and which is great. She finds it, and uh, Kylo Ren shows up and force pulls it from her and crushes it. So they have this you know knockdown drag out, and in the midst of it, he hears a voice, drops his lightsaber, and she stabs him in the stomach with it, I and mean, it kills him for all intents and purposes. And heals him up, but the the reaction she has from that is to, I've got to go into exile just like Luke. And that's when we get Mark Hamill's only scenes in the whole movie. I know he has that little you know flash scene at the end. But his whole purpose in this movie is to be a blue force ghost to catch a lightsaber she's throwing into the fire going, no, don't throw this away. I'm sorry about last time. I was having a bad day. You know, I mean, that's, that's the whole, like, oh, sorry about the last Jedi. 
which is so lame. I mean, I get it. People bitched about it on the internet. We had problems with it on this show. We didn't destroy it. Like, I, so I like actually. I liked it. You I were the did. one that defended it the most, Nick. Yeah, and and, yeah. and I mean, and again, I, critics I like liked it too. So why this there, need to even acknowledge any of that? Just pick up and tell a story. But no, we have to do that moment. Like I, I'm with you, Kurt. I can hear the the conversation about Mark Hamill has tells us guys he is not doing this movie unless he gets to catch a lightsaber going over somebody's shoulder and go, no, you can't throw this away. Well, first off, I'll say, I want to bring this up, that I revisited The Last Jedi for the first time a couple days before seeing Rise of Skywalker. And I did a complete 180. If anyone's listening to this right after listening to The Last Jedi pod, I take back almost everything I said. It's a fantastic sci-fi movie. It it was so jarring. I'll, I have to admit, it was so jarring, and in my opinion, poorly structured i still think it's poorly structured it was things happen so fast leave you no time to think about some of the insane shit that happens in it but on the rewatch uh i thought it was i thought it was outstanding i think it's better than the force awakens and this movie feels so much like a movie made by a guy who thought it sucked and even though jj abrams said oh no uh, you know that's a good movie I, I i i can see him behind the scenes saying god damn what the hell am i supposed to do after after that so someone who thought it sucked and wanted to, you know, reverse as much of it as possible. And having said that, I will say as much as I like The Last Jedi, one thing I'm like, God, it both I didn't find satisfying and totally screws this movie is killing Luke. It's like because mm. it's like killing Luke. It's like so Luke doesn't get to be in the movie. He doesn't get to, you know, be a part of the action. He was sort of in The Last Jedi, but that was, you know, that was like a hologram or whatever you want to call it. Um but again, part of the whole this movie was always going to be a disaster was, as I understand it, it was going to they, the only thing they had planned out was Force Awakens was going to be the Han Solo movie, Last Jedi was going to be the Luke movie, and <laughs> Rise of Skywalker was going to be the Leia movie. Right. Um, and obviously that couldn't happen, and that was just another uh, you know roadblock that they had to work around. Um, so like so they were oh. like, oh Jesus, we killed oh. Luke. And Carrie Fisher can't make it. So, again, I, I can picture that so many moments where they're just like, what do we do with this thing? Yeah, it's – I mean, can we bring up the whole Leia scenes in here? They totally feel like they wrote scenes around what they had. And I know well, that's they what they did. Yeah. But it's it's so obvious. I don't think it was done well. I mean – it's just one of these things where it almost feels like an ad lib. You know what I mean? Where you, you ever played li- ad libs when you were a kid where it was like you got all this stuff and then you got to kind of fill in just a couple words and it's going to make a funny story. It's like the reverse of that where it's like they had a couple little lines from Leia so they'd write all this dialogue around it like blah, 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 exposition, this, 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 and this and be like, I got a bad feeling about the dark side. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess that kind of fits with what I was saying. I thought, I mean – I feel bad for them and what they had to do here. And for me, it's like the way she died in this movie, as far as like the whole reaching out to the Kylo or Ben, I still don't get it. I mean, it's like she reached out to him. She wasn't feeling well, I guess. And then she reached out to say his name, got him killed. And then she died. I mean, wouldn't it have been much more powerful if, okay, you got Sidious back and guess what? He's going to make a point. Oh, there's the cruiser that Leia's on and he blows it the hell up. And now suddenly that sets Ben in motion to be, fuck this guy. I want to, you know, I'm going to go back at him. Let that be his setup as his redemption is this guy kills his mom. I mean, it would have been much more powerful than 
what we got here where it just seems like she had bad gas laid down on a bed, said his name and then died. I mean, it's just, it's <laughs> well, weird. Well, Leia's Leia's an oddity in this. Like I said, in the last Jedi pod, um, they had some easy outs in the story where it's like, okay, I guess this yeah. is where Leia has to die. And so every time she didn't die, I couldn't help but chuckle because I'm just like, well, now what are they going to do? And so in this movie, they repurpose unused footage. And again, I couldn't help but like just smirk to myself. I can't not think of the film Ed Wood where, and this is based on what they really did with Ed Wood movies, where Bella Lugosi died. They had one shot of him that they put in Plan Night from Outer Space, and the rest of the movie, the Dracula, Bill Lugosi's character is played by a chiropractor with a cape over his face to try and like even to try and hide the fact that Lugosi died while they're making the movie. Like there's a, there's a moment where Leia's back is to the camera, like someone's helping her walk back to her room, and I just thought, is it me or is this the first time where we've had a Star Wars main character's back to the camera? It just felt so awkward, and then. She dies with her face off screen, and it, it, it did not at all feel like a natural progression of Leia's character. It just felt like, you know, them in the editing room going, well, we ran out of footage, so she's got to, I guess we got to kill her. Something. I mean, we talked about that on the Last Jedi review, and I, I said, you know, they should have let Leia be the one that does this, the hyperdrive jump through the big Star Destroyer that's the big Absolutely. suicide mission. That was a perfect way for her to go down, but, you know, they didn't They didn't have it. And then you use your reused footage for, like, Force Ghost, whatever. But um, they didn't. They decided, and I think they were stuck to that plan that it was the, the Han Solo movies, Force Awakens, the Luke movies, Last Jedi, the Leia movies, Rise of Skywalker, and well, she died. Well, okay, well, whatever. I mean, like, they, they've been doing digital faces on people for years now. We're going to bring James Dean back in a movie, for goodness sakes. I, I guess we could have done that. They just didn't want to spend another $100 million for... Uh, you know, again, what she accomplishes in this movie is negligible. Like we see her training, you know, uh, uh, Ray, and then we see like a flashback of de-aged her and Mark Hamill training, and that's when she decides I'm not ready for the lightsaber, but someday I will be. Except one day I won't, and so we have that whole bit. And that's all she does. I mean, she, does, she she's there to give like inspirational speech to somebody, but she's not really doing anything. It's like watching the, the coach that's been coaching at a place for, I don't know, 80 years or something like that. And you know, like he's not running that team. Like the, the coordinators are doing everything. He's just there as the figurehead. It's, it, it felt the same way. And it felt a real forced bit. And, and Nick, you brought it up earlier. We should say all this is happening at 140 miles an hour. This movie never slows down for it, anything. It doesn't breathe at all. No, I guess what I, I guess, I guess maybe this is going to be a little, you know, you know, maybe it's wrong for me to say, but when Carrie Fisher died, I mean, was the, was the last Jedi already out or was that still coming out? I think it was already, it was already in the can. Like she, her, her role in the movie was done. Okay, but the movie wasn't already released, though, is what, what I'm asking. Yeah, is, that, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I guess when she died, they should have went back and rewrote and redid The Last Jedi and said, you know what, do exactly what Jay said were, you know what, have her be the one, not, not Laura Dern, have her be the one that does that, takes out that Death Star, and then don't kill Luke at the end. Just leave him around for the next one and just kind of re-rig stuff here because it really hurts. I mean, from a larger point, I, when I rewatched The Last Jedi not too long ago, there's two things that really stuck with me that they completely just forgot about in this film. The one was the casino scene. They made a big point to talk about how 
the war between the rebels and the empire and everything, it was all financed by these guys. These are all war profiteers. Completely dropped. Again, they could have brought that up into like how Palpatine got his army back. Maybe they had something to do with it. These rich, you know, one percenters here at the casino. They don't bring that back up again. But the biggest thing that really stuck with me is the last words that Luke says to Kylo is, I'll be seeing you around, kid. No, you're not. You don't ever see him around again. That was it. <laughs> that was the last time. Maybe he's going to meet him at I the mean, Force Ghost Bar. I don't know. You know. I guess. I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's so hokey now that when you watch that where it's like this doesn't even it's like its own like choose your own adventure ending type thing where it's like this has nothing to do with the next path i'm going to take because this means nothing anymore yeah it's, it's, choo- just, it's, it's bad, choose your own adventure except here's what you choose that well no here's what you're going to get instead because <laughs> there is no choice like the, they've laid this out to i honestly like y'all I, I i feel a lot about this movie the way i felt about revenge of the sith going into it Back in the day, and even when we reviewed those back in the day, too, like Phantom Menace is just a mess. We all know it's a mess, but it's got a couple of things in it that eh, you can kind of morsel into. I would argue Attack of the Clones is sort of unduly hated because of the Hallmark movie story in it, which is really bad. But the last 25 minutes, the battle seems pretty cool. Like that, I still love all those Jedi cutting those people apart and Boba Fett's dad getting decapitated and all that stuff. That, that, I'd still pop for that. Um, but I remember going to the Revenge of the Sith going like, well, it can't be any worse than any of that. And I remember thinking like, well, they're just kind of blowing through a lot of stuff here because they, they feel like they got a lot to do. And that movie never took a breath either. And it's kind of the problem with it is that it never slows down for anything. And this movie never does either. And there are parts where it desperately needed to, we needed to stop and go. But And the perfect moment is right after uh, Ray has killed Kylo Ren and healed him. And now he's back as Ben Solo or whatever, even though he never says another word the whole movie. So we have no idea what he's thinking. But we, she's done that. And to, to deal with that, she's got to go exile herself. And in like a two-minute conversation and in Force Ghost Power raising the X-Wing out of the water, all of a sudden she's like, you know what? I'm good. It's all good. I'm like, there, she needed to like spend a minute there to sort of figure that out, right? Deal with that stuff. Because that's what we're saying she's doing, and then we don't let her do it. And I feel bad for for you know, that character because she's not allowed to grow and be flawed and interesting. She's got to be perfect at every friggin' turn. And that's with everybody else, too, by the way. like Notice who we're not talking about in this movie, guys? We're talking about Carrie Fisher, and we're talking about Luke Skywalker, Mark Hamill, and a little bit about Harrison Ford, who I want to know what favor got called in to get him to come out for a day and do that. We're talking we're not talking about Finn and Poe, but why? Because they're yeah. pointless. Who cares? They are and I even uh, John Boyega now, I mean, he's basically has come out and said they've done nothing with my character since the first movie. It's he had all this I liked him in The Force Awakens. I thought he was a fresh of breath uh, a breath of fresh air. I really did. I liked his sarcastic, I liked to, you know, uh, witty dialogue. I liked all that. That felt really it flowed really well I thought with his character. And then it's just like he's just a wet fart throughout the rest of these movies. And I guess like this whole thing like when he was, was like, "Ray, Ray, I got to tell you something when he's sinking in there." Do you know what officially on record he was supposed to tell Ray? No, I no idea. That he also has the power of the Force. And they're like, so like JJ Abrams, like did an interview and he's like, yes, he actually has force power. And that's what he's going to tell Ray. And my uh, answer to that would be, and it has absolutely no bearing on anything at all. Okay. Ray can, you know, it'd be like, okay, Finn is the force of the power. Finn can do uh, ventriloquist dummies. Uh, he can, he can juggle. None of that freaking matters. So who, who, what's the point of him saying that? I mean, it's just that like, is- again, it's like, 
it's just so stupid. They they ruined it. I mean, like I said, they ruined his character. They just basically just were like, okay, we're going to keep him in here because we got Oscar Isaac and him. They're more minority actors, and we're going to keep them in the movie because it's going to make our stuff more diverse. But we're not going to do anything with them. And it's like, you know what? Don't have them in here for just for them to be in here is window decoration. It's like do something with these characters. John Boyega is a great actor, and I like the Finn character. Do more stuff with him being an ex stormtrooper. It's interesting. They do. They they give him a five minute scene with the other uh, warlord riding the horse on the uh, planet. Oh, Lan- yeah. Lando's daughter. Is that what that's supposed to be? It, it officially it was. That was a cut scene that they were going to basically <laughs> okay. show that that was Lando's daughter. Because in the vast universe of Star Wars, it is so small. But- I, well, anyway, whatever. He's having a conversation with somebody and they're talking about how they got enslaved to be stormtroopers as kids. I'm like, we're, we're going somewhere. And then we don't. So like they tried to give him something, but then they realized like, oh wait a minute, we got to go back to all this other stuff that we have set up because this movie is a mess. I'm sorry, but that's like you know Jay, like when you come over to my house and Wyatt's like sitting there and we're having like ribs. That's like me grabbing a little piece of the meat and throwing it to him. That's all it is. <laughs> is a little table scrap for him. That's all it yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. The the new characters uh, like the, the whole um like kind of the, like you know not to oversell it, but like the magic of the force awakens and you still, I've seen that movie a couple times. I still feel it. It's the mixing of very good new characters and mixing them with the old characters and the way they blends together. The tone of that is so perfect and it's done very well in the last Jedi. Now (laughs) in the new movie, all the uh, old characters are dead. um, uh, Unless you, (laughs) except for Lando and C-3PO, and they even had to bring one guy who was dead, had to bring him back. But really, so much of this movie just relies on you better like the new characters, and you better be okay with only the new characters. Um, cause the, but, but I'm not. They're, they're pretty dull. It's like Finn. Finn's a, if, you could, if you just literally pulled him out of the movie and cut out every single scene he was in, this movie would still flow the same way. Like he doesn't need to be in there. He has nothing to do in this. Neither does Poe Dameron. Neither does BB eight. Neither does Chewie. It really is just like, the, like the might as well just made a whole, a Ray solo movie, um, which might've been more interesting, but like, yeah, you know, when you see all the actors doing their interviews, cause that's the saving grace of all three of these, uh, of the, of the, of the sequel trilogy, that probably the best thing is the acting. All the actors across the board, old and old and younger are superb. And they're all going to be fine. Like, there's not going to be any typecasting stuff. Like, Adam Driver, he might even win an Oscar for Marriage Story. He's brilliant in that movie. Oscar Isaac, you know, he's going to be he's going to be fine. He'll be working with the Coen brothers again. They're all going to be fine. And when you hear them in interviews, they couldn't possibly be less interested in Star Wars anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, there's this great interview. Like, I, I, Oscar Isaac, one of the best actors around, they ask him, would you be interested in coming back as in a Poe Dameron uh, Disney Plus show? And he just blatantly just goes, nope. And it doesn't come across as, oh, you know, because he doesn't say, oh, you never know. We'll see how it goes. He's just like, he, he does everything except say, fuck that. I got real yeah, movies. Yeah, Boyega did here. the same thing. <laughs> it's exactly. the same yeah. thing because they were done. Yeah, because That's another reason yeah, you they, can't do they, a fourth they movie. They great movies. That these, these three actors, to their credit, signed their three-picture deals and somewhere in the midst of the last movie – decided together no matter what they say no matter how many zeros are on it we're done well really the four of them because driver too because he's barely in this like we talk about adam driver and his great performance y'all he's in about 15 minutes of this movie like he's 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 hannibal lecter 
in this movie. He's barely. And again, though, he's still he's still the best part of the movie by far. And we haven't yeah. even talked. We haven't really talked about Kylo Ren, but we're gonna get to again, him. But like, but the point is, like, yeah. clearly these people decided, like, mm, we're done. And and I don't blame them either. They don't give either. Uh, Poe Dameron has such a lousy character arc in this. They make him general. He's like, I don't know what to do. He leads everybody into battle, and they totally cut his balls off when everything is going to hell. He's like, guys, I don't I don't know what to do. What he should say if you want to show that this guy's had any growth is he should say we're going to do what Leia would have done and what Holdo did. We're going down swinging. Everybody start making suicide runs. And I mean, that's what you want that guy to do, right? And he doesn't get to do it. And Finn with the, the horse lady is on the, the star destroyer shooting the bridge out and you look like they're going to go down. And I'm like, that's the third time they should have killed a character in this movie. It would have meant something and they won't let him do it. No, Lando's got to do a drive by and swing up and pick him up in the hoopty and take off. You know, I mean, he's so lame. Every time this movie wants to do something interesting, it just chips out on any character, not named Ray or Kylo Ren. For sure. Like like Poe Dameron, it's like no wonder Oscar Isaac has no interest. It's like, just as a comparison, picture the final act of Skyfall and all the stuff Daniel Craig has to do in, like, in the shootout in the house and everything and how badass that is, like all the action he has to do. And compare that to what Oscar Isaac is doing in the final act. You can't see what I'm doing, but I'm basically just holding a joystick going left going right, angling my hands. That's all he gets to do in the final act. Of course he doesn't want anything to do with that anymore. Well, compare it to Return of the Jedi, where Han Solo and all of them, I mean, as much as that movie's got a lot of faults, at least they were doing stuff acting-wise on the moon of Endor. You know what I mean? Where it was yeah. like they were fighting, they were you know jumping around, running around, acting against one another. Yeah, I mean, he was basically, they put him in you know some aluminum contraption with a joystick and a blue screen around him and were like, yeah, kind of act like you got to go to the bathroom really bad. That's what's going on. <laughs> it's like, that, 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 that's what it was. So, You're but right. yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't blame them because like John Boyega, Oscar Isaac, great actors. I've seen them in so much good stuff. I mean, Attack the Block is great with John Boyega. Um, and then Detroit. even Oscar Isaac. I mean, go, go see yeah, Detroit. Um, John yeah, Detroit's awesome good. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got Oscar Isaac's. I mean, Ex, Ex Machina is a great movie and he's great in there. I mean, I've seen him in a lot of stuff. And yeah, they're just, they're wasted here. And I think that that's what they feel like is between the fan hatred after the last Jedi and how like a lot of them had to like disappear off of social media and the fact that they're in these movies where they're not even get to do their acting chops at all. It's kind of like, you know, yeah, I get some money here, but I can get my money elsewhere and have a lot more time and not have to worry about uh, 350 pound guys with giant neck beards running after me with forks. I mean, it's like, there's <laughs> Let, nothing here for me. Let's talk about the guy that definitely has cashed in on, on being able to do stuff that he wants to do. And I, uh, Kurt, you brought it up marriage story. I've seen that too. That is an emotionally devastating movie. And so if you're not ready for it, I recommend you be careful watching it, but he's awesome in it. I find it neat that Scarlett Johansson and he are part of these huge cinematic franchises. And the first thing they want to do is make a movie in a room yelling at each other. I mean, so he's awesome in it, but we got to talk about Kylo Ren and what he goes through in this movie because he does get a character arc. I mean, it it's, ah, I mean, again, he's only in about 15, 20 minutes of this thing, but every time he's on the screen, I love it. I hate the contrivances of now we can not only Skype force each other, but that there's physical interplay. There's like Nightmare on Elm Street 3 happening in, in that realm now. But everything Kylo Ren does in this movie makes total sense. I love it. They give him a great arc, and it's a great way for him to go down in the end. I, I like that he dies. 
Well, I'll tell you, Last Jedi did a great job with Kylo Ren. Like, you, if you just watch, if you just cut together just his scenes, he's got a hell of an arc in that movie. Because, because in that movie, it makes it look like is he going to turn good? And no, he turns bad. He turns into Darth Vader. He turns mm-hmm. completely to the dark side and takes over. Um, yeah, he becomes the Emperor. He be- yeah, He totally. He becomes the heavy. So I was so disappointed when I when I first heard they're bringing the Emperor back. It's like why. We got a great villain here with, with with Kylo Ren. If they made him the heavy, that would have been awesome. And I also thought how, again, going to like reversing stuff from the Last Jedi. A simple thing was, it's a great bit in the Last Jedi, where Snoke, you know, he's talking in the helmet, and Snoke says, "Take that ridiculous thing off," and he's basically mocking him, saying, "What do you think you're like? You think you're Darth Vader?" And like so, Snoke says, "Take that ridiculous thing off." J.J. Abrams says, "Put that ridiculous thing back on," and. <laughs> Oh, and on top of that, and you're only going to be able to talk with that helmet on. I mean, I'm sure I know Adam Driver spoke without the helmet, but I can't remember where. I, I think it's the only thing I can think of is where he's talking to Han Solo, the the memory of Han Solo. But I thought, oh my God, Adam Driver got so screwed in this. It's like they're just like, do they not want to see my face anymore? Would do they get letters for after Last Jedi or something? Um, I, I don't so know. Yeah, he, it's, he got, it's so weird. I thought all the women liked him in the Last Jedi when he did a shirt off scene. I've seen a lot of memes or memes of that. So yeah. <laughs> he is the best part of this movie. The best part of this whole entire you know sequel trilogy is Kylo Ren and his thing. And I, I couldn't agree more. Kurt is that he should have been the bad guy, and Huck should have been his second in command, and that's where they should have went here. Where it's like. Yeah, this isn't going to be what you think it is. There isn't going to be a redemption arc. You can understand him, kind of like Thanos, where it's like, hey, we get him. We understand him a little bit here. But we're not going to sit there at the end and all suddenly have a new bad villain come out and make him turn good. It's like, have him be the bad guy. You know what I mean? It's like, but they just went out with it and they went down the path that we all knew what they were going to take, where it's like, okay, he's going to be Vader. But as opposed to throwing the Emperor down a pit, he falls down a pit. Well, let me say this, specifically about Hugs. They screwed that character completely. Domhnall Gleeson must have, I don't know, made somebody mad or had something else to do. Because Another amazing actor. You take that guy from being friggin' Hitler in, in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, and all of a sudden he's like, I'm the spy because I don't want Kylo Ren to get the extra piece of cake at the birthday party or something. And then you shoot him. Um, what, and you introduce this other guy who's like, I served you in the old wars. I'm like, who the hell are you? I'm like, who is Richard E. Grant's character even in this? Good actor, but why do we need him to do that? Why can't you just have Hux be Hux? That made me laugh when he said he was the spy. I was like, that was one of the many moments where I was like, you got to be kidding me. I, that's, I, I said that to myself a couple times in my seat. It's like, you got to be kidding me. That is not at all where they were going with this character until they sat down in the writer's room to think of what the hell do we do for the final movie? Because, yeah, they, he, he's a decent, you know, over-the-top villain that was screaming about destroying the, the end of the Republic. Mm-hmm. And then at the last second, they say, you know, he's, he's going to be working with the rebels. And it's like, Come on, that's so again. That's just such bullshit. That's it's so stupid. And then to kill him off immediately, uh, that again, that was just unintentionally hilarious. And uh, Richard E. Grant, I will say, that is probably the one thing in this movie that I thought was like I don't have any complaints about. I thought he was really good. Uh, anyone who hasn't, he's a terrific actor. If anyone hasn't seen, uh, can you ever forgive me? Watch that. He gave one of the best performances of 2018, and I thought he was great in this. He reminded me of the aura. 
the Imperial officers had in the original trilogy were just get some British act, upper class British actors with posh accents, have them act evil. And it just, it just works. It like, for some reason they just come across as really good, uh, kind of side villains. And I thought he was good. And he's, you know, he's only about, you know, uh, 90 seconds of the movie though. Yeah, but it's it's a good ninety. But again, I would argue you didn't need him to do that. You already had a great actor. Not at all. Yeah, to be oh, that. Yeah. So yeah. I, there was no yeah. Hux's like turn is like the mall. Again, it's like what's what purpose does it serve? What information did he give them besides saving Chewie in a stupid bit? Made any difference in the movie or what the heroes had to do? It was just like, okay, Domino Gleason just he's like, dude, I got like three days. I can do this movie. Uh, okay, well, we'll just say you're a mole, and then uh, you'll get shot, and then you'll be dead. It's like maybe he was mad because Ryan Johnson made him do the "Can you hear me now?" joke last time. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, that it could have been. I mean, really, you think back to the Last Jedi, like all he does is stand on the bridge and go, "We're going to slowly catch them. Just keep firing and wasting ordnance <laughs> at these people who are running out of gas." I mean, the first movie. Have you ever really seen that though? I mean, but he was the second villain in that movie and everything. Yeah. And then they just throw him away with like five seconds of screen time. Yep. I mean, man, I, I, I just, I don't get the thought process there of why, why they did what they did unless it was just a scheduling conflict and they had to write him into three days worth of shooting. I, I don't see any other reason to do that to that character. Again, it's just poorly done, but yeah. yeah. It just <laughs> smacks of, of so like so much of this movie, it smacks of a rushed decision it's not a guy you know going away like say like like kevin feige apparently for the marvel movies i only found out about this a while ago he goes out to the desert or somewhere in in some in a mansion someplace and he has a whiteboard and he plots out exactly how you know black panther feeds into ant-man how that feeds into guardians of the galaxy like so he knows exactly where all 20 30 movies are going and that was so not done with this movie that, you know what the committee that like you guys keep talking about the committee approach to this movie and I keep flashing back to that scene in Aliens where Sigourney Weaver is trying to explain to the company for the tenth time what yeah. happened. Well, one thing though, like I said, I got to get some positives here. We talk about like Adam Driver. That is such a cool looking scene though when he's on that Death Star in the water planet and he's walking through the you know on top of that with the water splashing with the red lightsaber glowing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that's like one of those scenes where it's like you see it and it almost kind of gives you goosebumps because it's like okay. That's badass. That's that. That looks really, really cool. And then it's, I just, I wish the movie had more stuff like that, where it could just be like, okay, well, it's just there's some badass stuff going on here. It doesn't have to. I mean, you look at John Wick, the movies. It's like there's nothing narrative about those movies that's spectacular. They're solid stories, but it's like what holds those movies together is all these badass parts that kind of all intertwine together. And it's like, okay, badass movie. It's like I just wanted more of that. I wanted more of Kylo Ren. I wanted more of him just being this guy. And that's one thing I just, I really look at these movies and I'm like, it gives so much credit to Adam driver because you guys ever seen a villain over three movies like that, just get his butt kicked over and over and over again. He doesn't win ever. And I can't name another movie like that where you have a three arc villain or a three movie villain where he never really wins. And that's another, that's, I think it's a glaring flaw in the the series. I can, I I can name an an arc where that happens all the time. Go watch every GI Joe cartoon ever. And, and yeah, it's, it's, it's Cobra, Cobra, yeah, Commander Cobra Commander and Serpentor. That's they never yeah. win. So it's the yep. same thing. But you know what though? I will say the hack and slash of this, like the sword fighting that he and Daisy really get to do. I love it when they both like they stop like holding the sword like you normally would with one hand or two hands straight. They turn them backwards and they're just hacking at each other. I'm like that. That looked cool. Like that was good sword fighting. And then when he 
you know, comes back to help her at the end. He starts taking out the Knights of Ren, a.k.a. his bros. Um, I, I like the way he wades through them. I mean, I, I thought it was we had some good force fighting and stuff like that. I so wish because it was in the trailer and you realize now that it was their force ghosting Skype session that where it happened. But I so wanted another scene like we got in the throne room in The Last Jedi where he and Daisy Ridley just take out an army of people together because that was the coolest action scene in that last movie. And I really wanted that again here. But alas, the big showdown happens in two pieces, 20 feet from each other. Yeah, and that's one thing too is I I like the lightsaber battle so much better in the sequel truly than, than the prequels because the prequels felt over choreographed, kind of like what you're watching, like you know what was that crouching tiger hidden dragon where it's like this over choreographed wire foo stuff. I hate that stuff. This felt more like the original trilogy where it's like okay, it is going to be hack and slashing. These are how people are actually going to fight with swords. They're not dancing. They're trying to decapitate each other. The, this this movie in particular felt very Game of Thrones. With the way the sword battles went, I, I I got a very big Game of Thrones feel off of it, and not a bad way either. And I, like, I I agree. Yeah, I like and I, I like that. It's just it's more real and raw, and I like that. And then it's such a disappointment at the end because, like you're saying, you know, you brought up in the beginning of this, it's like you got this coliseum. I guess they built this coliseum because they just built this coliseum, and you got all these hooded guys in there. Why not have them attack? Uh, they, uh, uh, Ray and Kylo at the or Ben at the end. Hey, Ben, give yeah. them something Who to do Who are together. those people? Somebody, well, please. I got us. They should have just went completely bat nuts crazy <laughs> in here because there was like I saw original storyboards for this movie where it was uh, JJ was going kind of gonzo with some of the stuff he was going to do. Like the beginning of the movie was it was going to be another scene of Kylo Ren. Trying to fight, he got summoned by they called it the the uh, Sith Oracle to tell him about Palpatine. It wasn't going to be this broadcast. He was going to learn about him, and what it was, it was a giant like frog creature on top of like a baby head in like this swamp. And I'll send you guys like pictures of it uh, after we get done recording. And it was going to forecast kind of like you know like a future telling Oracle to Kylo Ren. And it was like, I saw that. I'm like, okay, this is cool. They're going to like totally go like really crazy with this movie with like all the different stuff. And at the end there, it's like, why not just do something crazy? Like these guys all look like Snoke or they look like, you know, Palpatine himself, like they're clones. I mean, again, we've seen clones in these movies. He's got a clone army again and they're cloned off of, you know, just whatever and have them attack, do something crazy and out there. I mean, it's Star Wars for, you know, Pete's sake. Let's just do something like that. But they went such a lazy route. It got flashbacks of the end of part four of Harry Potter when Harry's like got like the, you know, they're shooting their wands at each other. And then the parents come behind them. The force ghosts of the parents are like, we'll get this for you, Harry. We'll hold them off while you escape and take my body. You know, Edward from Twilight says, I mean, it's like it comes off like that. Yeah, the 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 big finale of the, this this is supposed to be the big finale of the big finale of the biggest thing in movie history of and the Skywalker just, series that features um, two platines. Okay, I had to say that. Oh, okay. But <laughs> but uh, yeah, this this finale, like when I said during those test screenings, like the rumors of people walking out, whether or not that actually happened, the, that finale is where I could see people being. I, I I I never hear this. I just heard when I was watching the movie. I just heard a, a woman say to I must have been her husband. Just said this is bad. I I never hear that. Uh, just to, that blatantly hear someone say that during the movie. I, and I heard an old man snoring during the finale. And it was just such <laughs> a weak finale. And 
if it wasn't for Avengers Endgame does kind of ruin this as far as like, because Avengers Endgame gives you a grand finale of all grand finales of a route. Like whether you like the movie or not, you cannot deny it's a pretty fun finale. They give you, uh, it's, it's, it's crowd pleasing as it gets. And I kept thinking, well, this is star Wars. So it's going to be the most crowd pleasing thing I've ever. And I kept hearing that a big complaint of this movie was it's just fan service galore. So I thought, well, that'll probably be cool. Cause so I kept thinking, well, what they're probably going to do is bring back all of the dead Jedi in some fashion. I don't know how that would work, but they're going to bring them all back. You're going to see Luke, Mace Windu, Anakin Skywalker, everyone's going to come back and they're going to fight all of the Sith. Like once I saw all those guys out in the, the, the stadium or whatever the hell that was, uh, I thought that's where they're headed. It's going to be this big grand battle. Like that bit at the end of attack of the clones where all the Jedi show up. I thought yeah. it was going to be something like that. And when it wasn't that I was so disappointed and be like 300 million bucks. Why wouldn't you do something like that? Like cause it's, it's such a, it's such a, uh, well, it's such a, a dud. Can we talk about of, what of they finale. what they do? I mean, basically, Ray and Kylo Ren get summoned before the Emperor, and he's telling her like, "You're gonna bow before me, or you're gonna kill me, and that's gonna make you the ultimate Empress." Until he realizes, oh, he or I can gonna, just it, suck it, like some spider webs off of y'all, and like my fifty year plan, <laughs> I'm just gonna set that to the side. So <laughs> that's what happens. Well, no, he said he's gonna if she strikes him down, that he'll like actually possess her. And that they'll like combine into one being and yeah, it's, you know, I'm glad that they finally said it, but again, I called that last episode. I just want to really point that out again. <laughs> well, the point <laughs> is he ditches this plan that he has worked on for eons at this point because he realizes, Oh, you two together, I can go out oh, now. I'm whole again. And I, well, I got this fancy new red robe. I'm ready to give me my smoking jacket, Andre, and I'm ready to go. <sighs> And he starts shooting force lightning out into the world. We throw another person down a pit, which, as we've already set up, don't mean Jack in this series. Because there's like four times this happens and those people all come back at one time or another. Every single one of them. Darth Maul, Luke, the Emperor, now you know Kylo Ren, Ben Solo. But what happens is Ray gets both the lightsabers from the Skywalker twins and uses it to force melt the lightning back on Palpatine. Is that what happens, Kurt? I'm, I'm a little fuzzy. Oh on man, the end. that, 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 that is one of those moments where it's like, if this wasn't a star Wars movie, I would walk out. This is so stupid. Cause that, that finale, uh, when, when Ray, yeah, when Ray goes, does that, that, that blew my mind when she reflects the force lightning back at him. Um, well, she does it though. To... She does it though. We should say with all those voices in her head, you get Qui-Gon Jinn, you get Mace Windu, you got Hayden Christensen apparently spent a you know, minute or two in a booth doing a voiceover. You got Darth Vader. You got all these people talking, going, you're all the Jedi. And I got like this whole Buffy season seven, like all I needed was a witch with a sword it, making all the Slayers come active at the same time and get out of my face. Because it was the same, like somebody watched a lot of Buffy, JJ did, for this ending. Yeah, that, that that having all the Jedi show up like that, it made me think. It made me think they're all going to show up, and I was like, "This is going to be this." My yeah. honest to God, my heart started racing in that way of like the end of Rogue One, like that, like when Darth Vader does his thing. It's like this is just this is what Star Wars is supposed to feel like that this kind of a rush, and that didn't happen. And instead, she just kind of gets up and you know she's got two lightsabers, and apparently that does it. But it it was just that is so stupid for so many reasons. Number one is. 
I wanted to stand up in my theater and just go, okay, everyone remember they already did this in Revenge of the Sith. We all saw that, right? They Mace Windu do that. <laughs> they plainly did that and it didn't kill him. Okay, just just checking. Like we already saw this scene. Three hundred million bucks. They reuse a gag from Revenge of the Sith. Like the, again, the logic questions. It's the answer is bullshit. But it's like, why doesn't Palpatine just like turn the faucet off, so to speak? I could see the parodies during that scene. Stop electrocuting yourself. Stop electrocuting yourself. It's so it's so ridiculous, and it's just such a terrible. Like that's it. Like that's it. His death. That's the grand finale of of Star Wars, and then his. That was laughable. It's anti. It's anticlimactic. It just really is. I mean, I, I, I it's like you know. He, obviously, you guys have seen Kill Bill Volume Two. Remember, like the last thing, like with uh, Beatrix and uh, Bill, where instead of having a big sword fight, they have that. But that was done well. You know what I mean? Because we already had all that stuff. It was done well. But this one, it just comes off really, really, really lazy. Like, okay, um, kind of like you know, we were talking about Jurassic uh, Jurassic Park Three, where it's like, oh, we got to quick end this movie. And even though we wanted this big Velociraptor fight at the end, we just don't have time or the budget. That's what this felt like. It just felt like it's, we're just going to have her put her lightsabers together. He's going to shoot lightning at it. And then it's going to reflect back and he's going to kill himself. He's done this before. He's made this mistake before he's going to do it again. It's just, it's the biggest load of crap I've ever seen in a movie. Beyond the fact that we have seen the gag before setting that to the side, and you're both absolutely correct. How does that kill her? Is she also using the force to push that back? Because I didn't get a sense that that was a hard thing to do, considering Samuel L. Jackson's doing it with one hand and pointing at Hayden Christensen with the other one <laughs> and, like, four movies ago. Like, how how is that? How does that kill her? I know thematically we need that to happen so that Ben Solo can come and do for her what she did for him. You have the last of my force energy. Here you go. Let's smooch, by the way, for reasons, and then let me die. But why does that kill her? I I don't get why that kills her because there, now now she has a flaw. There there's absolutely no good reason that like man I. I completely, I think about 30 minutes in is where I tuned out of this movie. And then during that <laughs> final finale, I got up to go to the washroom and get a popcorn refill about four or five different times during this movie. And that's a record for me for seeing a movie for the first time. Usually I'm like, you know, like panicking. It's like, am I going to miss anything if, if I, if I get up during Blade Runner 2049? Like, uh, but this, I'm just like, I don't care if I miss anything. I know what's, I know what's going to happen. I know I could tell, I'll come back and tell you what I missed type thing, which is something I heard Ebert say about uh, really, you know, terrible movies. Um, well, but yeah, th- th- why does she, why does it, why does she die is just as baffling a question as why does he die immediately after? I was, again, I was like, I shouldn't be chuckling to myself when the best character in this, in this series dies. But I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Like, like you have this moment of Kylo Ren. I thought I was in this moment where he revives her, I'm like, I was already picturing, okay, he's going to be Luke now. He's going to build the new uh, Jedi temple. He's going to carry on the, the the legacy of the Jedi. And then he literally just drops dead. And I was like, oh, this is, this is so bad. Yeah, it's, it, it is. And I, from what I read to these spoilers that were, you know, pretty much correct. The original ending of this was a little bit different in that it had the same setup where, uh, Ray and uh, City, or Ray and Ben were there, and he drains the power from them. But what happens to Sidious is he's no longer played by Ian McDermott anymore. He was actually going to be played by Matt Smith, um, the guy from Doctor Who. 
um, you can you can look it up. He was originally he was cast in this movie, but his part got cut. It was going to be a young uh, Sidious or a young Sheev. What an awful name! But uh, I apologize to any listeners named Sheev. But um, uh, it was going to be him. And what he does then is then he also shoots lightning at uh, Ben, throws him down the pit, and that's it for Ben. He dies. He dies. That's how he gets killed. And then right after that, he shoots lightning at Ray, to which she deflects it with the lightsabers. She's losing. And then Luke and Leia, then their force ghosts appear. And basically then kind of, like I said, with Harry Potter, help push it back. And that's what kills Palpatine. So Ben would have been killed like that. And for whatever reason, Leia, Ben's mom decided, I'm not going to help him out. I'll help out Ray, who I barely know, and kill Palpatine. And that was going to be the ending. Or that was going to be the final thing with Sidious. But I guess they changed some stuff and we got this whole new reworked one where Ben now suddenly knows how to give his life to make someone survive. And again, it would be poetic considering what Anakin's thing wanted to be in the prequels of preventing people from dying. But again, it just is not set up correctly here. And it just comes off really, really stupid. And I thought for you to like turn into a force ghost or evaporate, you had to be like really like in one with the force. I mean, even Vader didn't do it. Vader had to be burned in a Viking funeral. But Ben does, so I don't know. It's just, it's a crap ending. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. Any any well, way you slice it, it's it's a it's a it's a terrible finale. That the terrible. I mean, the terrible uh, climax. Like it's supposed. Like this is supposed to be it. Like a Star Wars movie. This is supposed to be. It should be the biggest best ending of the year in a perfect world. It, like it should be. And instead, it was just like. You know, like I watched the Pokemon movie the other day, Detective Pikachu, which is actually a perfectly good movie. And that finale is so much more dazzling um, and emotional for, for this, you know, this very small Pokemon movie. And it's so much more, uh, I wouldn't say powerful, but it's just so much better. And it shouldn't be. It should be so much worse than Star Wars. Um, and it's and it's not. Yeah, it's, Well, it's compare like, it to the end of Return of the Jedi, where you have the Emperor shooting down luke you got that score swelling and you're doing the cutbacks to vader watching it watching luke cut back cut back again he's watching palpatine he's just going back and forth and then you finally see him make that move and run up to palpatine i mean that's a goosebump inducing scene it's 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 an amazing scene in that film it's the best scene in that film until lucas had to put that no part into it but it's it's amazing and then you go and watch this and it's like I think the best way to describe the sequels and Kurt, maybe you'll appreciate this analogy is this is a DLC pack for star Wars. (laughs) It's you do not need it. It is just an add on. If you want to have some extra adventures with a new character and that's all it is. It's just a DLC pack. Yeah. That that's definitely one thing that came to mind. Uh, we're not at our final thoughts yet, but one thing that did come to mind is, uh, that wasn't worth it. Like not just this movie. And I like, I like force awakens and I like the last Jedi, but overall, was this like really worth the 36 year wait between, you know, uh, um, after, uh, a return of the Jedi? I think the answer is just no. It's just well, like, they, it doesn't do what like Casino Royale did, where it's just like, you know, I can't wait to see more James Bond movies or, you know, take your pick of any kind of like a Batman Begins where I can't wait to see more. This, the way this ended, I was like, that wasn't worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Batman okay, Begins I, ends with the Joker card and I'll check it out. You know, and it's like, oh, I can't wait till that comes around. And the, you're right. I, we haven't talked about it too, though, that the uh, once again, the rebellion's plan is let's just fly an all out balls to the wall. Hell's bells mission into oblivion. And but this time <laughs> we're going to we're going to send Lando to like the neighborhoods 
to bring other people in because we got to do Dunkirk or something at the end of this, and we've got to repeat the end of Independence Day. We just shoot the big and laser cannon. It fits in the end of the Last Jedi so bad. It just because remember at the end of the Last Jedi, they're calling for reinforcements and nobody's coming. Again, yeah. that, that's a harrowing scene where they're like, nobody's coming, and then all of a sudden it's like, well. Well, guys, you didn't have Lando, man. He was out there and he's pushing some uh, Billy beer or whatever he was. What, is that what he used to used to push, uh, Jay? Remember that Cold Forty Five? Be Cold Forty Five. Yeah, the Cold Forty Five. That Billy beer. Um, that was that was yeah, the no. uh, former president's brother, but uh, okay, yeah, Jimmy he, Carter's he's, brother. So. Yeah, but Lando was a cool side of the pillow guys. So yeah, you got Lando there, and he formulates the biggest freaking fleet in the history of movies in about ten minutes. Yeah, and it's, we should be saying, these are not warships. It's like mm. if you got people in your neighborhood to just take their shotguns out and bring their truck to the battle with the evil army. Like, that's what they purport happens at the end of this movie. And that, it's dumb. Yeah, that is, the, again, uh, I didn't even mention that part of the finale, which is so much, it's so disappointing because they're trying to make this very similar to like the ex exact same shot in Endgame, where a whole bunch of spaceships show up. Like it's not just the mm -hmm. heroes; it's all the armies that we've seen over the course of the MCU and stuff. So they're trying to make it that moment. And Oscar Isaac, it's like he's trying so hard to make this seem cool. He's literally going, "Look at this! Look at this!" And I said, "Yeah, I'm looking at it. It's a bunch of beige ships that are too small to discern from each other. I didn't recognize any, like because you easily could have had." I, I recognize the Tantum Four. That was the one from uh, Rogue One and. Uh star wars i i will the theater i saw it in i was like i i, I was thinking it's going to be like the naboo ships or it's going to be jedi star fighters like something recognizable i couldn't recognize anything and it did maybe they were different colors they i i just remember it being a big wall of beige hey all and i know Falcon. all i know is this movie totally skimped out on representation for the gungans where were my gungans you know that's the only thing we didn't have at the end of this movie because they threw all this They would have been welcome. Yeah, yes, hey, they do you would guys have. Wanna, you guys want a little tidbit there about Jar Jar, Jar, Jar and, and Boss Nass should have rolled up in a bungo and thrown a blue goo stick at something. I would Why have accepted not? that. I'll tell, I'll tell you a little bit about Jar Jar, though, in the new Disney um, canon, is that uh, Jar Jar actually became a street performer and homeless, and he lives <laughs> on the streets. I'm not, I, you can look it up. That is what happened to Jar Jar is he's like a homeless bag of on who does like little like side tricks on the, that guy came off wrong. He does little side uh, gags on the street. It's, it's, it sounds like <laughs> Ghostbusters too. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But hey, I got, I, I got to bring this up though, guys. And this is the one thing when Ray and Kylo kiss, did anybody want this? I mean, I get, there was like this push online, like called like Raylo or something like that or whatever to make them a couple. But let's just kind of put this out there. And Kurt, I mean, you're probably a little bit more into like the, you know, the EU and kind of maybe the comic books is that Disney did do a comic book that did confirm that Palpatine is the creator of Anakin, that he formed Anakin in the mom's stomach and he created him. So that technically makes Anakin part of the Palpatine family and Palpatine has a granddaughter. So they're like second cousins and they get a little bit of Game of Thrones kissing at the end. I absolutely, I didn't go all the way with that, like, like that, but you like, that totally makes sense. I, them kissing, it's like, I thought they're like, I kept thinking there was going to be a twist. I thought the big twist, if they were going to, that's a whole other thing is the, of, you know, spitting in Ryan Johnson's face is in the last Jedi, having Ray's parents be nobody, like just civilians. 
is the theme of that movie is don't worry about the past. Focus on the future. Never mind anything that bad that happened in the past. Worry about making the, the future as good as possible. And so having her parents be civilians. You're just anybody else. You're just you're just like you're just anybody else. It's a great a great non-reveal that Ryan Johnson came up with. And this movie totally undoes that. And what that does it also adds to the I thought the twist was gonna be that like Luke was Ray's father. But whatever it is, when they kissed, I didn't get it was so out of the blue, not at the slightest bit of a hint of a romantic relationship with these two in in the previous movies. So when they did kiss, it did feel wrong. In either if you want to go with the the fact that they could possibly literally be related, it's wrong on that level. But just on just a character storytelling level it felt wrong it, it was it's it's so it's tacked on yeah i i don't know why you have this character that you have built up as the embodiment of feminist empowerment all right and the final thing is she kisses a dude like that just didn't that under i mean i don't maybe it doesn't undercut everything whatever but it just it it didn't doesn't help. it didn't be needed. It could have been accomplished with he puts his hand on her chest, she comes back to life, and he's got just a couple of seconds to look at her before she lays him down slowly and he disappears into the force. That's the same thing without the kiss, and it's so much better. Also, can we talk about and I mean again, fine actors have zero romantic chemistry with one another. None whatsoever. All right. So, and there's never been any. It's been a we're going to work together. We're going to rule together. It's never been we're going to lock lips together thing with them. I've never got that off of them. And so it just feels so cheesy. It felt more it's, like a brother brother sister relationship at the most. Yes. It never exactly. felt like uh like uh these people are going to have, you know, some type of romantic chemistry or anything like that. I mean, it's almost the exact opposite of the original trilogy where it's like Okay, I could see Luke and Leia having a little bit of chemistry here. Oh wait, no, they're brother and sister. And this one, it's like, well, they kind of come off as brother and sister. Wait, no, now now, now they like each other. It's like, nah, this, this doesn't really work. It just it felt very much like fan service because the Raylo thing was like such a big thing on the internet about. I guess they call it shipping or something. I, I'm really dating myself as an old guy here, but it's just like this thing online where everybody was like, we got to make them a couple. We got to make them a couple. It's like. No, we don't. They're they're fine being adversaries and like competitive people. I'm like they don't have to be lovers. But yeah, the end just that just felt stupid. And then him disappearing too was just like I said, it was lame. Yeah, it was very very forced and unnecessary. But that could also be the review for this whole movie. So so I think we're at the part of the podcast where it's time to give final thoughts, recommendations, and popcorn ratings. So what are yours for the Rise of Skywalker, Kurt? I'll begin by saying. Uh, like I said, if this wasn't a Star Wars movie, if this was just an original screenplay with this story and these events and everything that happens, I would have walked out. I was just genuinely bored and didn't care how it turned out. That's why I kept leaving to go to the washroom, you know, because <laughs> that was a better spending of my time than, you know, like I, I let you, I missed out on the desert chase. I saw a bit of that in a trailer and I thought this isn't going to be worth seeing. So I was like, that's where I'll go get my popcorn. And, uh, like I said, I've changed my mind on The Last Jedi. I think it's the best thing about this sequel trilogy. I think Rogue One's the best thing Disney's done with Star Wars, but Last Jedi's the best uh, part of this new sequel trilogy. And the difference uh, between my hate for this movie and the initial reaction I had for The Last Jedi was I didn't hate The Last Jedi until it was over. Uh, another difference is 
with The Last Jedi and so many movies. I watched Justice League. I watched Last Jedi. I could think of a thousand things that I would do to tweak it so that I would like it, how I could improve it. I couldn't think of any way to improve Rise of Skywalker uh, other than just not make it at all and making a whole new movie. And I wouldn't even call it hate for Rise of Skywalker. I just didn't care. You know, it, it doesn't feel like a proper film with a great story built from the ground up from, you know, from a guy who wants to execute a vision. It feels like something rushed to meet a release date. It's like force awakens feels like a good Marvel movie. Last Jedi feels like a proper film and rise of Skywalker feels like a bad Marvel movie, like Thor, the dark world. It's that level of kind of boredom where it's like, you know, we got to put something out. We'll put out in a better one in a couple of years when we we got a good story. And you know, I heard that like they had they maybe it's just a rumor that they they were they filmed five or six different endings for test screenings to try and find one that'll appeal to people. So you know, it's a heartfelt cinematic ending when they need to refilm it multiple times. Uh, one thing about the Last Jedi is that none of it felt rushed. You watch that, and even if you don't like it, you know Ryan Johnson he got what he wanted. He got his vision for Star Wars on celluloid. Rise of Skywalker doesn't feel like anyone's vision. The movie ranges from boring to laughable. I didn't know it was possible to make a boring Star Wars movie, but here we are. There weren't, for me, any standout moments. Um, where's this movie's, you know, light speed battering ram from Last Jedi, or like the surprise death of Snoke, the final showdown with Luke and Kylo Ren? There's nothing like this, or anything great from other star Wars movies comparable, like, like the finale of rogue one, not just Darth Vader, but that whole final battle was amazing. And never mind star Wars. Even it's like in a year of such incredible set pieces, like the Joker going on the Murray Franklin show, Brad Pitt meeting the Manson family. And once upon a time in Hollywood, the last moments of Jimmy Hoffa and the Irishman, take your pick of any action scene in John wick three, any number of the moments from Avengers Endgame. In a year like this, with such great films as, you know, Us, El Camino, Midsummer, It Chapter 2, Dolomite Is My Name, Apollo 11, Marriage Story, Knives Out, I can't excuse Rise of Skywalker. There is simply no good reason why this couldn't have been as good as previous Star Wars movies. I can't excuse someone not being able to make something good out of Star Wars when I saw Crawl, where someone made a good horror movie out of Alligators. And if they can make that into a good movie, why can't J.J. Abrams do that with this? Star Wars Episode Eleven: The Rise of Skywalker is, in my opinion, the worst Star Wars movies I've, I've ever seen. I wish I could say I came up with this statement, but Phantom Menace is not a good movie. It's a bad movie. But Lucas swung for the fences on that. Like, you see, he, he tried he tried too hard, but he tried. This movie... I got I got a feeling of nobody tried. So this is the worst Star Wars movie for me and is my pick for the worst film I've seen in 2019. So it gets an extra small popcorn from me. All right, Nick. <laughs> uh, you guys ever heard the phrase measure twice, cut once? Yes. <laughs> and I think that's something that Disney really, really needs to have basically put on, you know, their boardroom walls is that you got to think this stuff out a little bit more before you go and cut it, measure it twice, see what you guys got going on. And okay. There was obviously a backlash with the last Jedi to say, say the least. So if their whole intention was to go into this film and to go, Hey, you know what? We understand that the last Jedi was not liked. We want to go in there. We want to do some more fan service. We want to go with probably what the original intention was with the force awakens with JJ's thoughts. Okay. That's fine. 
but measure twice, cut once. Okay, so the measuring twice here would be we can't get this done in one movie. We can't. So they need to sit there and figure out how the hell they're going to make this into two movies. And, you know, whether that means that we're going to sit there and add another four weeks of shooting on here, we're going to dump another $50 million into the, into the hands of the actors to get them to stay around. And then we're just going to do episode nine, part one, episode nine, part two. I know it's kind of a, you know, weird title, but whatever, or just do episode X, which would sound cool, but just do it. It's the right thing to do. Because in the end, it's not going to tarnish. People are going to like that. You're going to get one more Star Wars movie. You know you're going to make another billion dollars, okay? The money's there. You have a lottery ticket that you can cash in over and over and over again. So why not do it? Why not just make this into two movies, just take the themes from The Last Jedi, and then manipulate them in Episode Nine to what you want to tell in Episode Ten. That way you got a concurrent through line, and you can end on something solid. But they didn't. They decided that, okay— we got to make all these meals into one. We're just going to grab a pot, throw them all together and just pray that it turns out to be something edible. And it's, it wasn't, it wasn't. I mean, this was the first time that I've ever sat in a star Wars movie for the first time. And this even includes the prequels. I was young and dumb, I guess, but I sat there and I didn't, those movies, I didn't sit there and look at my watch. This movie, I kept checking my phone. I was that asshole looking <laughs> at the, the time going, Okay, this movie started at 3.45, two hours, half an hour. I'm like, minus the previews. I'm sitting there actually doing calculations in my head as scenes are going on there as to when this movie is going to end. And it was like, when we saw this at a bistro theater, so they bring out food. And when the guy brought the checkout, I was like, yes, that means there's 25 minutes left. The check comes out with 25 minutes. That's what I was thinking about during this movie. It literally felt like a bad bowel movement where it's just like, okay, I just, I know like five more minutes, man. And I'm going to be back on the couch. It's going to be good. I'm going to get this through, going to get it out. It's going to suck, but you know what? I'm going to be on the couch. I'm going to make myself some tea and popcorn. That's what my thoughts were like watching this movie. It was not a good time. It was not, it was just bad. And I just really wish that Disney could have some common sense when it comes to this stuff and just go, you know what? Go with your thoughts here. Don't sit there and make people happy. But if you're going to try to make people happy, give it enough time to get through. You can't sit there and have it all. You can't. So I, it's a small popcorn. It really is. I'm not going to say it's the worst Star Wars movie. I did start off with that. I tried watching the prequels. Those are just bad, badly constructed movies. There's The plots are bad. The acting's bad. The movies are just constructed bad. This one's at least pretty to look at. And like I said, it's going to look pretty nice on my 4K TV when it comes to Disney+. Plus. But um yeah, other than that, other than it looking kind of pretty, I mean, it's a vapid exist. It's a vapid film that has no no redeeming values outside. It's just pretty exterior. I mean, it's a, it's it's the worst type of supermodel you can have. You know, it's just I'm I'm ranting here and rambling, and just like this movie was doing. So I'm just gonna end there and just say it's it's a small popcorn. So if you haven't seen it, um, you're not missing much. I'm trying to think if I've ever arrived at the end of a series or a saga of movies and been more utterly not disappointed because disappointed would mean I was emotionally invested more completely detached and not caring about any of this than I did about this movie. Nick, I will join you as I was that guy in the theater too, checking my phone every five minutes. Cause I looked, I was like, okay, so the movie started at 12. So I know it's two hours, 22 minutes. So that means two twenty-two. 
And I look down, it's like, it's 12.08. It's 12.15. It's 12.35. And I'm sitting there going like, oh, please, just... And, and I'm saying this about a movie that moves at breakneck speed. Because I realized from the opening crawl, there's none of this that is going to matter until we get to where she is in front of him. Because when you put Emperor Palpatine back into the mix, for whatever reason, narratively... Why ever they decided to do it? I know nothing of consequence is going to happen until those two, particularly Ray, gets in front of him. And beyond that, it's just going to be MacGuffin chase after MacGuffin chase. We didn't even talk about how the magical dagger like has a thing that you pull out and it matches up perfectly with something that's been in the salt water for forty years, and that tells you it's where Goonies. to go. Yeah, the Goonies. I guess, uh, but at least the Goonies. I cared about the characters. I don't care about any of the people in this movie. I don't care what happens to any of these people. It's the third time I've seen the rebellion squash the empire. And I'm like, mm, and so what? Because the, you can't seem to get rid of them. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's the yin and yang of, of the Star Wars universe. But Nick, you talked about how this movie felt like two entrees at once. I like steak and I like shrimp on the grill. You know, they're really well. What I don't like is to take those things and throw them in a blender and then drink it. <laughs> and that's what the Rise of Skywalker is. It is putrid and terrible, and it is by far my least favorite Star Wars movie. I don't care how messed up you think the Phantom Menace or Attack of the Clones are. I watched both of those. I watched all the Star Wars movies leading up to this and came to the same conclusion you did, Kurt. The prequels may be bad, but at least there's something there. At least he was trying. He missed, but at least he was going for it. And by far, since Disney took over, Rogue One is the best Star Wars movie I've seen in 20 years. And that movie is, and, and that's amazing too. When you factor in, they had cut that to pieces to get it to work. And you see, but if you go back to the original star Wars movie, that movie was a mess and the editors cut it to pieces to make it work. Unfortunately, there's not enough cutting or adding back in or expanding or to moving to make this work because the story's just not there. And, I don't believe it's the last we've seen of Star Wars. It'll be the last we've seen of this main saga for a few years, five, eight years. Give them time. They'll come back to it again. Maybe not with these actors or characters, but we're not done with this world yet. But I'm going to tell you this. It may come to Disney+. Plus. I don't know when I'll ever watch it again. And I don't know that I'll ever revisit these again. And that's sad because, you know, go back and review our ratings. Like, Kurt, you and I both gave Force Awakens an extra large. Like, we were genuinely excited about that movie. Go back and listen to that podcast. You can hear us for two hours have a great time talking about a Star Wars movie. And then on uh, The Last Jedi, I mean, we all saw a very different movie. We we went through a lot of discussion on it. But in the end, I mean, Kurt, you gave it a, a medium popcorn but said that was a good thing. I gave it a medium and said it was really trying for stuff. Nick, you gave it a large. We all more or less like that. I, n I never thought all three of us would totally sandbag a movie like this. <laughs> but I knew I knew going in, though, because I'd listen again to the Famous Factor show, which, guys, you've got to go <laughs> listen to that. It's awesome. And, and it won't take much of your time. And do that. And then I had got that note from Nick, and I was like, well, I know going in. <laughs> you know, And I'd already kind of knew what was happening anyway. So I knew. I was like, well, can, can it be good? And it looks amazing. But it is contrived and stupid. And, and again, I just don't care. Like, it leaves me going... I love Star Wars. 
I don't love this. And, and I don't want, and it doesn't want me to love it. it. You know, so fine. I'm not going to small popcorn. Screw this movie. It's, it's by far the dumbest thing I saw in 2019. And I saw several cable lifetime movies in the year. And, and <laughs> at least they had a plot and a structure. So that's, uh, that'll wrap up our review of the rise of Skywalker. We're just now getting kicked off into 2020. So Kurt, tell folks how they can follow you on the internet. Well, you can find the Fabish Factor Film Podcast on uh, iTunes, where we'll get into discussions very much like the one we just had here. You can also find my uh, typed-up reviews on uh, letterbox.com, and you can find us on the Fabish Factor Film Group on Facebook, where we also get into uh, similar discussions. But uh, yeah, Facebook, Letterboxd, and iTunes. And Kurt, you will be back to finish up the Kubrick series with me here in the first part of 2020. So real excited about those episodes again, because uh, we've got Absolutely. a couple to go. Yeah. And uh, old man Nick, uh, you're still swearing off the social media, I think. Yeah, I am. Even more <laughs> so in 2020, guys. And I tell you this, it's amazing. <laughs> well folks thanks for joining us on this first episode of film strip for 2020 you can find our back catalog on our podcast feed filmstrippodcast.com will take you to where you can find the show on apple google stitcher wherever podcasts are found that's where we are you can follow us on social media at filmstrip pod on twitter and now on instagram so give us a shout on the gram and filmstrip podcast on facebook as well where we post uh different things up from the hosts about uh upcoming shows things like that we appreciate your support and would appreciate you giving us a positive review and sharing the show with other folks because it helps us grow the show. Till next time, for Nick and Kurt, I'm Jay. Thanks for listening to Filmstrip. Thank you for listening to Filmstrip. You can find more episodes on our website, filmstrippodcast.com. The Filmstrip theme music is produced and performed by Frozen Lake 121. All content used or discussed in these podcast episodes is the property of the respective owners and used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17.